I've seen your rock and roll fantasy. I ask you to play a song, you're like, okay, hold on. Okay, hold on. I get like one card. You're like you're like the ride to hell retribution of playing music. It's like cool. dry it's like dry humping on the guitar. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. And you're listening to episode 16 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. First, let's introduce a new special guest with us, Mr. Peter. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. What's up, Peter? That is not that is not energetic. <laughs> <laughs> really glad to be here, guys. Be more metal. We're talking about more metal kittens and everything else. <laughs> Metal kittens. Yeah. That's Metal. pretty much what you follow if you follow Dan on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It's just kittens. My, my Instagram has been nothing but kittens and a dog sometimes. Maybe. Yeah, sometimes. But Peter's going to be joining us for today and I believe going forward every so often. Yeah. Whenever maybe we get every... a chance to schedule it, that it all works for all three of us. Yeah. So. So, but first, let's, since you're going to be here on occasions, give us an idea of your history of metal like you know what got you into it sure. what's your favorites your your, your top three uh desert island albums stuff like that yeah i got into metal when i mean since i was a kid i think the first kind of non-mainstream non-pop album i bought was in fifth grade it was rammstein stem sucked yeah and that kind of opened the door to me against all sorts of different type of metal i mean got it you know into the metallica slayer the mega death but then in high school during the days of napster and stuff you know i used to use my friend's internet to buy, or not to buy, to download um, just different stuff, different metal stuff, and I came across uh, some Swedish death metal. Uh, first one I ever heard was a very infamous band from the Swedish scene, the Dissection. And I remember being scared as shit the first time <laughs> I heard that stuff, but I couldn't stop listening to it. And since then, that's just been uh, the main thing I've loved to listen to is just any kind of black metal, death metal, all that extreme metal kind of stuff. Which is good because that adds a, a different perspective on. For us, because I tend to stray away from that kind of thing, yep. you kind of get a little bit into it, but we need, we need somebody who's a little bit more into it. Because every yeah. time I kind of shrug it off, like, eh, you know, uh, they, they're a thing. And then I, I get like obsessed with a band for like a, a hot second, and then it's just like something else comes around. <laughs> so yeah. so, so, so the, the, the alternate perspective is always, is always good to have. Give us an idea of favorite bands. Favorite bands. Hmm. I'd say... First and foremost, right now, I've been listening to a lot of just a lot of the Viking metal stuff. Right? So obviously, the Mona Marth so. is going to be up there. Mm. Yeah, um, that's a shirt he wears pretty much like every other session that we had together. It's, it's, you know what's crazy is today I went to HUB and I got two compliments nice. on this shirt. One Hell from yeah. the lady working at the, the, the meat market. Working? Nice. Yeah, and another from the guy in line behind me. So that's it was a good fantastic. day. It was a good day. That's, that's what I've, I've gotten a lot since I've been down here is a lot more... Um, just comments on t-shirts like I got my my Queensryche shirt on I think I was wearing a wearing my Operation Minecraft t-shirt at the vet's office at midnight the guy was like nice shirt <laughs> thanks bro <laughs> my kitten's sick <laughs> follow me on Instagram then I'd say after that be Opus for sure because I, I remember back in high school I got a really long kick with that and with them and that's been like my go-to band and just well, their sound has progressed so much that it's just every album they release is like a great, like refreshing thing to listen to. Well, that was the first thing that got you and me hooked up is because mm-hmm. um, just a quick history between me and Peter. He's uh, one of my clients that I train. <clears throat> and the first time I met him, he was training with somebody else and she wasn't around. So I picked him up, you know, just for, for kicks. And he, you were wearing the Chronology shirt mm-hmm. from the Chronology tour by Opeth like, like 
10 years ago almost and that just started the whole conversation it just went straight through from there and, and she handed me handed you off to me because like, she just couldn't fit you in and it's been like that for almost a year now yeah it's been a while it's been yeah a little over a year so that's how we got hooked up it's been awesome so we got we got uh viking metal we got opeth give us one more one more like i said this section because that's really what kind of got me into that whole scene i mean they were huge in that kind of black death metal scene and got in sweden and um you know from there i learned like went to all the kind of other stuff like uh see morbid angel and tunes uh just that whole like kind of breed of extreme metal. I love Behemoth. Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations just... about them. So, okay, so yeah, di- dissection, gateway drug. Got it. Gateway <laughs> drug. Check him out if you haven't heard. It's it. in my it's in my head. I remember this now. You, so it's, for you, is like avoid dissection. I don't want to listen to black metal ever. <laughs> uh, it depends on the black metal, which we're not going to get into right now. Right, but we could just go on forever. But we're also going to dive a little bit more into Peter's taste later on when we get to our discussion part, because it's going to be a little bit of a different one for us. Yeah, because we already started talking about that before. Yeah. <laughs> I threw him off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, now that you're here. <laughs> so, welcome, Peter. Thanks. And we're going to go on to old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. So, old business would be, we're just going to cover the, the Paris attacks from last week. Mm. And what we're going to say here is that Although the attacks in Paris and, of course, in other parts of the world are huge issues and something that should be covered, we're just going to cover how it affects us and our little community here just because we're going to leave the global discussion to people who are far more qualified to talk about that than us. Yeah, so we're not getting political here. No, no, poli- no politics for us. Definitely not. All right, so just to continue the updates from the Paris attacks, it's been a week since it's happened and a lot of things have gone down. Uh, just... Going off the top of the list here, um, we're going to mention the, the a veteran merch guy, a guy who probably covers merch tables for a lot of people. He was covering for e- uh, the Eagles of Death Metal at this particular show. His name was Ix- Nick Alexander. He was among the people who were killed in the massacre, as well as Metallica's project manager, uh, Thomas Ayade. Uh He was another one that was atta- uh, killed in the attacks. So... Um, that's just among the other 89 fans that got murdered that night, which is unfortunate. I thought it was a higher number than that. Wasn't it? it was 89 people at that show, and 130 people total, because there were okay. multiple attacks throughout okay. France. Okay. Um, so, as a result of this, Foo Fighters, the Deftones, Every Time I Die, and Eagles of Death Metal all canceled the remainder of their European tours um, just to kind of go home and be with their families and be safe on American soil, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, it was also reported that the Deftones frontman and actually the, all the members of the band were at the venue uh, that night because they're supposed to play the night the next night they're supposed to play Saturday night the attacks happened on Friday so night the Deftones were at the venue they were at the venue uh, but they were they left apparently minutes before it happened so Chino Marino is down the street at a diner eating some food and he hears things going down and he, he his security team rush him out to his back to his hotel and just kind of get him and his family safe because mm-hmm. his family was there too. Um, so of course we mentioned that Deftones canceled the rest of their tour so they didn't play that show Saturday night um, other shows that were canceled in the general France country not just Paris but the France country was In Flames Marilyn Manson Five Finger Death Punch and Motorhead they all canceled shows that weekend into that into the early parts of the week like Monday, Tuesday just to kind of respect for 
a country in mourning, and of course security concerns because who knew who knew what was going to happen following those attacks. So, of course, with anything like this, it's happened with the the Great White Fire. It's happening right now in Romania with the fire from uh, Goodbye to Gravity, mm-hmm. um, and then of course the Dimebag incident. Security is a big issue, and it's going to be a continuing issue going forward, especially okay. with reports of new uh, planned attacks, which we'll get into a little later. Um, so, of course, a statement from Live Nation, one of the biggest concert promoters in the world, was issued. And uh, the statement says, The safety concern of our shows, fans, and venues continues to be our highest priority. Due to the recent events in Paris and in an abundance of caution, we have implemented heightened security procedures globally. However, because of the sensitive nature of these protocols, we cannot elaborate further on the specific details. Which I can only imagine, kind of like what they do on airplanes nowadays, they have like a marshal there who's armed, who acts as a passenger. So you're probably going to end up having guys like that concert goers. So I can only imagine that's going to be one of their things. Of course, more metal detectors, more security, like probably pre-show, like bomb hunting dogs and stuff like that because that's that's just like something that would probably happen I'm just going to not bring my uh, my messenger bag with all the pins on it to any mm. shows for a little yeah, while yeah I think you might want to hold off on that yeah definitely pretty much is bare bones it like when I when I I started like just carrying down just to my wallet and phone really yeah. <laughs> and keys if I'm driving but you don't even carry a chain anymore so you're, yeah. you're already off the hook yeah like I'm probably going to stop wearing that particular hat with the spikes on it just you know precaution um, it was actually thinking about the security thing about the, how they're going to enhance security. I was very surprised when we went to House Court last Friday, and during Super Joint show, they let all those people up on stage. Concerning, I thought they came from the sides. Well, they came they came from the sides there, so they're backstage, mm-hmm. and they they let the photographers up front up. But even like then, the security guy you saw the security guy kind of freaking out about it yeah. because not just of what happened in Paris, but because Phil is a member of Pantera. We know what happened to Dimebat. Yeah. One other deranged Pantera fan comes out there and shoots, shoots Phil Anselmo. I mean, I, w- I was kind of scared for the guy, <laughs> considering how drunk he was, too. He would have been like, go up to hug a dude and get stabbed in the gut. I'm just imagining like like him on stage, get shot at, bullet time happens, and he just goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> funny, but not funny. Reflected. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's actually be the kind of guy that would actually talk a gunman down because <laughs> that's all he does is talk um, one last bit until we, before we get to the new business is um, the co-manager uh, Dominique Reverts of the venue says that they will definitely reopen there's no question about it uh, hearts will be heavy for a few months and you know a few years this is not something you let go lightly but they will reopen and they will not surrender which doesn't surprise me. It's, yeah. You know, it's not like the venue should have to shut down. Well, apparently it's actually like a very historic venue. It's not just like right. a, a shot in the dark kind of thing, like a bar. This thing has been around forever. Yeah. And it's also been apparently the <clears throat> the target of threats for the last five years. Oh. So this is not this is not the first time it's happened. It's the first time it's happened successfully. Mm-hmm. So, which Fuck. is just, you know, scary in general, mm-hmm. considering the shows that we go to and the Corova. What security? <laughs> you know, what, what security? <laughs> Again, that's kind of like a bar. I don't think I, don't, I feel like no one would be attacking that. 
Well, you would, you would, you would think that. You would think that. But the thing is, like, let's not even just say attack. I mean, let's just think of the. Let's think about the Ohio bar where Dimebag got shot. That was a bar. Mm. Some deranged fan goes in there and shoots Dimebag. He only shot Dimebag for like I, I say, fortunately, because he he was the only one that died. He didn't shoot anybody else. Where he well, definitely could have. Well, there's also a lot of claim that the guy was yelling something about breaking up Pantera. Yeah, he was a deranged fan. Yeah. yeah his goal was to shoot Dimebag, but at any point he could turn around and shot anybody else. So, I mean, small bar, big bar, huge venue, doesn't matter. Security is going to be an issue with wherever we go now. Yeah. And so, now that, now that they... <laughs> now, now they ruined the mood. Well, I mean, just on a more positive note, I mean, <laughs> Francis' response just in general, both the, the director there and then just, in general, the, the people of France has been very much one of, like, pos- positivity, hope, you know, they're not yeah. like, trying to let this get them down. Yeah, so that's saw, always I saw thing. pictures of, like, of, like, the next night, people in France still going out yeah. and being French. Which means drinking a hell of a lot of wine and eating a hell of a lot of cheese. Mm-hmm. So they don't give a fuck. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bread in there too. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a flying fuck. So they're not they're not letting it get get them down. Yeah, definitely. Well, good on them then. Yeah. And we're not going to let that get us down because we're moving on to new business. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. And as always, when we start new business, we talk about new albums. And I did not check out shit this week. <laughs> You're a busy man. Well, I, I will say, honestly, I, I was pretty busy this week. I had a lot of random shit to do, so including a whole bunch of, like, you know, I think two videos came out this week for yes, us. Yes, two videos did come out this week from us. And the podcast. And, uh, but I'm going to let you guys take over new releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're letting Peter do stuff. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Peter, why don't you uh, introduce the first one here? It's uh, the Managarm album. Managarm, I mean, you and I listened to this um, at the gym, mm. and I remember like the first track that came on, I was like, "Who is this band?" Because I mean, I amazingly, I'd never listened to a Managarm album before, and that's uh, shame on me for that because this is like their eighth studio yeah, album, it's their right? eighth album. So, I, know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's just terrible. But I mean, and they're sweeter, so they're right up yeah, their alley. Yeah, it's, it's just I don't know. Maybe I've just like been too busy looking at other different types of bands that I miss these guys, but. This was like for me, like the perfect distillation of that genre, of like the folk Viking metal genre. I mean, we just, you know, we listed off a bunch of bands that they sound so similar to. Yeah. I mean, you have those brutal kind of Viking vocals from Amona Marth. You have those kind of like fast-paced beats that are like Dungeons and Dragons infused with like from like Ensign Ferrum, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it each track just like had it like the sweeping vocals, like the the epic melodies. Like if you like. If you like Viking Metal at all, there's no chance that you won't like this band. I yeah, mean, they're just I mean, they're great. The, the first thing that attracted me to this album was the first track after they had a nice mellow intro. You hear mouth harp. Mm-hmm. You hear that twangy mouth harp. I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be great. And they continue on with it. Uh, they incorporate some uh, some pipes in there, so that kind of reminds me of uh, Elvedi and Corpaclani. Yeah. Um, just the guy's singing style sounds very Corpaclani like. Um, but then they also do have some ballady stuff that has to slow it down a little bit. Right. So they get some female vocals in there, which definitely strikes the whole Elvedi sound. Um, 
I was so impressed with this record that I'm definitely considering it to be in the top three for my for my month of November. Um, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I listened to it three or four times this week. I mean, after you, I, I did my own workout, and then I just listened to it again. Yeah. So it was, it was just that good. And there's, like, re-listenability um, re to it. It's, it's just a really good album. So I highly recommend this one. It's the self-titled eighth album from Managarm. I listened to this one because it's one of the one of the three that uh, came out this week that I actually listened to, and I will agree it was quite good. I can't differentiate tracks, but I will go back and listen to it and and, and continue to thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. Next one up is um, Phantasma. <laughs> Deviant Hearts. Uh, this is a debut album from a kind of a side project from a person from Serenity, Oliver Phillips from Everon, and Charlotte Wessels from Delane. So it's pretty much um, a European power metal trio there. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a kind of like a, an effort of love from one of the guys. He really wanted to do a concept album, but he never had the ability to do it in his own band. So he kind of picked up a couple people who had this like minds and they decided to do a concept record the concept is based on the deviant deviant hearts novella which is written actually by charlotte charlotte wessels from delane uh so the whole story follows what she wrote so of course you know she has like i guess overseeing everything uh but there's multiple characters in it and some of the guest vocalists they got to play some of these characters are pretty much guys that we all know guys and ladies we all know uh tom england from evergrey <gasps> You know, Sorry. fuck it, I'm a fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was um, that was a different guy. Oh, I thought that was him. No, that was um, oh. fuck. That was the the older guy. All right, all right, fuck it, yeah. I'm a fish. Um, Chloe from uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra, and Dennis from uh, Van Canto. So we know they can sing. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed this album. Uh, it was a little bit slower paced and a little bit more um, rock oriented than some of these other some of their uh, participants other bands um, it's not like heavy on the guitar parts like uh, like say Nightwish or Epica or anything like that um, but I really did like it it took me a listen to like I had to listen to it once I was like eh, not so much second time around really enjoyed it um, just great vocal melodies the, the vocals were really good like I didn't know there were guest vocalists on it but then listening through it for the second time I was able to discern different vocalists and like oh I know who that guy is I saw that guy mm -hmm. you know and <clears throat> just the all the music kind of came together really well and the vocal performances again were great and I would probably be a good idea to follow what the concept is uh, so I would probably want to read the novella just to know what's going on but other than that I thought it was great yeah I mean I only got to listen to two tracks I didn't get to listen to the whole album I, so I was listening to Let It Die and Enter Dreamscape both of which I think they released videos for mm -hmm. and um, with Let It Die I mean it definitely had that kind of melodrama that you know symphonic metal like that is really kind of 
uh, known for, and I know that the fans will love that. For me, I just, I don't know, I couldn't get into that one too much. Uh, Enter Dreamscape, though, had that more, I guess, like, little hard, I won't say harsh, but a little harder, like, guitar riffs in it and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so I, 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 that was kind of the more traditional, I guess, sound for symphonic metal that I like. Um, but yeah, same thing, I feel like, you know, I can't really judge this until I've listened to the whole album, since it is a concept album. I don't think I'd be doing justice to it. Yeah. Dan? Or is this going to be like an hour and a half of me and Peter talking? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that he's here because it's just, you know, <laughs> kind of cuts up you talking. You're just kind um, of recording this right now. I did, I did listen to this one a little bit. Um, I was not big into it for the, the passive listen that I took to it. Mm -hmm. So maybe it requires another listen or maybe it's just... It really uh, does. It, it, it took me two listens to, get, to really enjoy it. Like... And especially because I think it also depends on how I was listening to it. I, the first yeah. time I put it on, I was trying to do some heavy-ass squats, and that just wasn't getting me going. So I was like, nope. The second time around, I was, I was actually just sitting around and listening to it, mm -hmm. and it, it was much more enjoyable. So Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see people getting, getting, uh, <laughs> lifting that iron to, uh, to symphonic metal too often. It depends on the symphonic metal. Uh, if it's something like Rhapsody, yeah. Or, or like... Punch e that bag. Epica's good. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Here is a good one that b both Peter and I really enjoyed. <clears throat> Honeymoon Disease, The Transcendence. This is a awesome hard rock band from Sweden. My God, they are great. Um, I thought they sounded kind of like Royal Thunder, and Royal Thunder I've been I've been raving about for like mm -hmm. the last six months, and it's a perfect like groove of hard rock. Um, it's not like metal ish, like but it's just really groovy in your face. The, f the female vocals are yeah. great. She's like wailing at you. Um, it's not trendy, kind of like a like a hailstorm or anything like that. But it's really good hard rock. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's just good old-fashioned style, retro-style rock. I mean, um, I was lucky enough that the the album got, got released yesterday on Spotify, so I got to listen oh, to awesome. the whole thing. Cool. And I mean, every single song on that album is catchy as fuck. Yeah. Like, catchier than it has any kind of right to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is, this is the kind of album that you could definitely put on, like, like while driving. It's like the perfect kind of driving album, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, great vocals. It's very in your face. Um, I, I definitely echo the Royal Thunder sound to it. It's like Royal Thunder combined with another Swedish band, Graveyard. Okay. Graveyard does a lot of the same kind of like retro style rock sound, and I, I feel like Honeymoon Disease is a little bit more like up tempo, upbeat than say Royal Thunder is. Yeah. Um, but okay. it, I mean, it definitely works. I mean, it's it, it was definitely a great album. I got half a listen in, so this, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say anything about this one just because the day I tried to listen to it, my radio was not letting me turn up the volume, so all I could hear was like little whispers. <laughs> so, well, apparently this is one is, is going to be one of Pat's top three for the month. So he, he's he's it's 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 aiming pretty high for him. So yeah, I'm going to speak for Pat here and say it was good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, next one up. I don't have many notes written about it. Um, it's a band called Malfunction. Yeah. Like 
uh, the album's called Fear to Failure. They're a hardcore band from Buffalo, New York. Hardcore is either is touch and go for me. Um, it's either really good, like Hatebreed and uh, Vision Disorder, early Vision Disorder, or I just get bored with it. And I think this is one of the ones that I, I gave a, a passive listen to, and it was it just nothing about it caught my attention. I actually saw a live video that they released um, from one of their shows on YouTube, and I mean it's weird because like they're branding themselves as a hardcore band, but I definitely got a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a death metal kind of feel to that. Some of their songs, I mean, they, they had a, a sound similar to like this member, okay. in my opinion, but uh, put on a good show. I mean, but yeah, I just it was kind of missed for me too. I mean, not really much to get into. Yeah, you find one of those every every week. One of those like meh albums. The next one up, I really liked. Um, Our oceans. self-titled album it's a new project from the guitarist and bassist from Cynic <clears throat> we talked about Cynic a while ago They're apparently they're breaking up whatever but this one is more proggy I mean from what I understand I haven't listened to much Cynic but I understand Cynic's a lot heavier yeah. but these guys kind of mellow it out mm-hmm. a little bit jazzier um, they got some really clean soothing vocals and it's just like one of those albums you can sit back and just listen to and really enjoy not really like there's a couple of head bobbing moments, but you just want to sit there and listen to it. And I listen to it with my headphones on, which is, I think, the best way to listen to music in general. So there was very full sounding, a lot of guitar action going across the panning here. So I really think that this is something that should be checked out for pretty much fans of prog rock, a little bit of jazz fusion in there. <clears throat> and it's something that's a little bit, if you're looking for something a little mellower, this is definitely something to hit up. This is like post-rock, post-metal, right? I mean, this is like, I agree with you like it had that very kind of dreamscape kind of quality to it as you're listening to it's like a little bit droney but very very laid back and mellow um, vocals are mostly clean and I mean really great to listen to um, reminds me a lot of Alcest um, in terms of that kind of post-metal kind of sound that's a little bit droney heavy on kind of the effects mm-hmm. of the guitars uh, but it works really well and it's it's something that even if you give it like a passive listen to it still works really well yeah it might it might just catch your ear and I thought it I think it definitely will especially some of the guitar passages are just really good uh, very technical and mm-hmm. you know I love that kind of stuff you know unless it's abused Ingbe yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean new God, I mean, new God. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I got for new releases except I have a couple of other ones that I just kind of saw that came out um, Anthrax this, we talked about this a couple weeks ago Spreading the Disease the 30th Anniversary Edition came I, out I actually saw the physical copy of it today when yeah. I went to Hogwell Records um, I didn't actually like take a close look at it because yeah. these these you know, these these releases are so cool but like this was also Spreading the Disease was the first Anthrax album I owned because you bought it for me yeah. so it's like it's like okay all these extra tracks cool I'm not going to buy the album though sorry <laughs> Yeah, no. Some of the, some of the times, like the the, th- the anniversary editions, I'm not a, the biggest fan of because there's like the album, plus like demo versions of the of the album. Depends and... depends on on the release, honestly, because sometimes demo versions are like leagues better. Or like radio edits of certain songs. We don't need radio edits. <laughs> we don't need remixes. We don't need radio edits. Demo versions, I'm cool with. What about that version of? Uh... 
Brave New World. I'm I'm praying that ten tons of dicks fall. <laughs> <laughs> there was a version. I'll give you a quick backstory of this of what we're talking about here. Wicker Man by Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. We all know the album, the version that's on the album. Yeah. There's another version out there. I think it was a radio. It was, it was a it was a U.S. radio version. And during the chorus, you know, you know, you know the song. Yeah, during actually, the chorus, you have your album. time will come. During the the radio edit, which was I think how it was originally going to be, it would be your time will come, um, and then you'd have from the other side, thy will be done. And it sounded so cool going back and forth. And the first time I heard it, I was like, what the. <laughs> like apparently it was on the radio show uh, the host Pat played it without telling him and, and apparently the reaction is something that's been going down in history <laughs> as like the reaction of all reactions since then like like I can only imagine your face because I really it, wanted to see that <laughs> it, it was it was honestly just a lot cooler to hear um, again but but like most radio edits typically are not that cool. Yeah. The only other one I, I would include anywhere is the radio edit of Northern Kings. Um, uh, Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose. Just because they cut it, they cut the ending so much better. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, other notable releases this week: Threshold released a live album, uh, European Journey, which I actually did listen to, and I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Threshold. It's Damien Wilson. I have, like, a boy crush on Damien Wilson's voice, so... <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird, because I think sometime this week, which, which we'll get to in a little while about what we listen to this week, um, I listened to Extinct uh, Instinct by Threshold, which is one of the Damien Wilson albums, one of their m- more um, well-known ones. And I'm listening to some of the lyrics, and I'm like, man, some of these lyrics are bad. <laughs> but it's okay, because it's Damien Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Did he write those lyrics? Or he just I, I don't know, but just, like... like when you have a line that says "I am the walrus" and it's clear that you are not, it's like you're <laughs> killing me. You're killing me slowly. We're <laughs> just ripping off the Beatles. I mean, come on. It's just you're killing me. But um, his voice makes it okay. Yeah. Another noble uh, release this week. It's another live record, "Paradise Lost," simply for the lost. And I love Paradise Lost. And I don't know if you listened to this one or not. No, not just checking. I want. I want to check that one out. So. I'm definitely going to try and find myself a copy of that one real, real soon. So, what else have we been listening to this week? We'll start with New Guy. New Guy. Well, what I've been listening to is the new tracks that Apeth is putting out. Okay. Like, Winter's Bang got put out a couple weeks ago, and Chris and I were talking about this, and that track is just so good. I mean, I, I can't wait for that full album to come out. You know what I mean? And it just... Kind of concerned for like the old members of Immortals. Like, I mean, I'm just, I don't know if y'all know or not, but like Immortal Split, they had a big legal battle over like you know who, who controls the name, the name right, yeah. who controls like the lore, quote unquote, of Immortal. Um, and I think it just basically ended when Abbott said, you know, I'll go off on my own. He started his own solo project, and um, but now I'm just wondering, you know, what's Immortal gonna do because Abbott is he, the sound is the of, Immortal. of Immortal. He's the face and the sound. I mean, the the guitar riffs that those kind of abrupt, uh, muddy-sounding kind of guitarist that you hear on a lot of old Immortal albums, that's him, you know, and that's what you hear a lot on these new tracks that he's releasing. Now he's been killing it mm-hmm. as far as since he left uh, Immortal. I mean, he's on he's on Metal Sucks and Blabbermouth all the time with just his antics, not just his music, his antics. I mean, Wasn't he, like, like in a news article for buying a hot dog in the city or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, no, he's, he, what he's been doing around town is he's been going to, like, certain cities 
or when he's on tour and going out in full corpse paint. Him and his band going out in full corpse paint and just doing random shit. Like know. buying hot dogs, going to the zoo. <laughs> I'm per- you know what? You, you know what though? If, if you're in a band and you're in corpse paint or you're in costume and you don't do that, you're failing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, he's just been killing it since he's since he's been out of Immortal. So I mean, he's gotten enough attention for himself, and then he's releasing good tunes. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a phenomenal record. Yeah. And he, uh, the guys in Immortal, probably sitting there, but like. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the good things about social media being the way it is, is that, like, aside from making good music, you can also keep your, your name out there by doing things that like just, that, yeah. you know, that, that entertain. Yeah. So you're entertaining beyond just the music and the live show. And that's definitely one of the reasons why I like Abbott so much is because he just takes the piss out of black metal. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, it, it really ticks off a lot of, like, the hardcore black metal the fans who are all about true cults and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like... Enough. It's it's like enough. From the beginning, he never took it seriously, and that's the great thing about uh, him. Isn't... Uh, aren't uh, Immortal one of like the originators, like one of the bigger names? Yeah, um, th- their first album, uh, Pure Holocaust, was like a defining kind of yeah, album for like a black you, metal scene. You hear like when you he- when you talk about the originators of black metal, you hear about Immortal, Pure Holocaust. Yeah, when I, when I think of like like original uh, stuff aside from Immortal, I think like Emperor and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- these are the names that like <clears throat> like pure black metal. I think of those names. And I mean, going to all- be interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't have this written down, but because I, I just read it today, Matt Heffy from Trivium is doing a, me- a black metal side project that's going to be produced and co-written by the guy from Emperor. So wow, that should be awesome. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Some just like I said, I just read that today, and I was going to I would have forgotten by the time we got to the recording news. What else are you listening to? What else have you listened to? Uh... Well, you kind of got me on a kick of like the female vocalist kind of stuff. So I've listened to uh, Unleash the Archers. Yes. Uh, Tonight yes. We Ride is like an amazing track off that new album. And I've been playing that on repeat probably more than I should have. But it's just too damn catchy. Like it's yeah. too it's too good. Her The way she sings, like the notes she hits, that's just absurd. I mean, it's too good. Yeah, we talked about that like since... You like Unleashed Archers, you should definitely check out that band Jessica we saw two weeks ago. Um, definitely worth a listen to. I just did. like that. Oh, did, uh, yeah, did. I looked them up on YouTube. Oh, I was, okay. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with yeah. them. I'm hoping like they play some more shows locally. And hopefully they do go check them out. Dynamite cover of uh, Rainbow in the Dark, by the way. Yeah. It wow. freaked him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was bruising up his arm. Yeah, he was like, Oh my god, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> I wasn't going to hear him. It was loud as fuck, but still. I, I didn't say anything. I just slapped the living hell out of your arm. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what else? Anything else? Uh, and then kind of old school stuff, uh, listening to old Vintersorg. Uh, he is from, the lead singer from that guy, I mean, v- Vintersorg, is, uh, he was also in like Borknagar and some other uh, Swedish bands. Uh, so listening to like some of their old stuff, their old early albums. That's about it. Um, I randomly got on an ACDC kick, uh, Bon Scott era. So I've been listening to Highway to Hell, um, High Voltage, and Dirty Deeds. Those are like my top three albums right now. Um, and then, of course, uh, we'll get into this later on, but I've been listening to a lot of Tool. And I'll tell you why when I get to it. Um, but I listened to the last... Yeah, we know you don't like Tool. <laughs> get over Suck it. Suck that cock. <laughs> wow. Get over it, buddy. I like Tool. It's just... It's yeah. I'm kind of shocked right now. We don't need to, we don't need to get into why you have a, a definitive hate on Maynard James Keenan 
All right. But anyway, I've been listening to Tool, specifically the last two albums, Lateralis and 10,000 mm-hmm. Days, only because growing up, Anima was the album. I've memorized that back to front. So the last two I just need to get kind of refamiliarized with. And it's just a reminder of why I really like that band to begin with. So <clears throat> that's uh, really been about it. It's, I've also I've been about these new albums. Um, so like I said, Managarm has been kind of con- consuming my, my gym time, really. And I took a break from the prog rock from last week because I still only got to track 65 of 78, and it was a week and a half. Yeah, so you, I, you can I, only progasm so much. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I, wanna, I might continue the progasm next week depending on how many good new releases come out, mm-hmm. but I had to take a break. That, that can be overload. That's a there, lot of prog. A, there, was a, there was a lot of notes. If I yeah. hear one more <laughs> keyboard note, I'm going to punch someone in the face. There was a lot of notes. <laughs> um, what I've been listening to, I got through a handful of things just because I was... I didn't go through many new releases and I was feeling pretty random. So I got through um, Theory of Everything by Arion, which is definitely, out of the Arion albums, probably one of the top three. And this came out two years ago around this time, too. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's it's a great album. It's just a little bit it's a little bit different. I, I, I hope that the next time he does another Arion project, it's in a similar vein. It's, you know, all continuous stuff, mm-hmm. all leads into something. Like, I like the way he did it. It's also a little bit shorter than his previous stuff. Yeah, which a little is, bit. It goes by really fast. Yeah, yeah, because, like, it, it's not like, I don't, no fart, no, no fart, <laughs> no part feels drawn out, because, again, it all just kind of leads into one thing. Any of the instrumental parts are usually, like, a minute and a half, and then they cut into something that progresses the story. So it was it was just a really really great album yeah um, the performances on that one kind of were really good we talked about how I felt that they he used um, Christina Scavier <laughs> much better than Lacuna Coil does yeah. on his own record mm-hmm. and then I got to Grand Magnus because of that record yeah same here because I, I, I remember I was listening to um, the uh, preview tracks mm-hmm. and his uh, it was it was JB's uh, preview track like it was kind of a stripped down version of the song that got released mm-hmm. which which I, I love about Ari and he does a lot of cool shit like that um, it was that and uh, Marco's oh yeah Marco's parts were um, the part where the, the the bank plan succeeds yeah that whole like really high belting out part like I listened to that on repeat for days Just it was a, only a 30 second clip and I was I just feel that Marco was a little underused on the album mm. We had that conversation last week, I think. Yeah, yeah. But that album was listening to, I mentioned the Threshold album. I listened to um, a Best Of from Queen, Queen Forever, which the main reason I listened to that one is because they do a ballad version of, uh, I believe, which was a Freddie Mercury solo song um, called Love Kills, um, which I had seen Queen do with Adam Lambert live. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember. Okay, I remember was, saying that. It was a fantastic song, and then I got to see, hear the, the version on the album, which again was fantastic. So I, I kind of go back to that sometimes. I'm like, oh, the rest of the tracks are Queen too. I'll listen to them too. <laughs> Why not? Um, also going into Queen, I listened to Queen Live at the Rainbow, which was their last uh, their last release as far as live albums go. Um, a few other random things. Again, it, it was just kind of jumping around all week just because I wasn't listening to the new releases and I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear at a given time. It was a very self-indulgent week. <laughs> so... Especially because you're like you know editing videos of yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After a while, I'm like, I can't listen to anything involving any of this stuff. I need to listen to something else. 
So yeah, sometimes you just need a refresher. Yeah, we, we listened to King Diamond on the way to the show last week, which yeah. you know, we covered while we're doing that. But just a lot of randomness just to kind of get myself through the week. So word. Uh, so that's pretty much it for our. Uh, new releases and what we've listened to this week. Let's talk about some general news that's going on. Although we already discussed some general news with the whole continuation of the um, Paris attacks business, it seems like a lot of just randomness happened this week. Yeah, general news was pretty was very out there this week. Uh, so we'll just go start off. Um, Skeleton Witch had a, a singer change recently. They dismissed their previous singer in April. Uh, we still have no idea who the new singer is, but they have tour dates scheduled, which we'll get into later. It's the singer of the new black uh, the new Blackmore project. No, this going to use him for everything now. Yeah, right. Um, here's a random fun bit, not quite metal, but can be if you depending on what project he's in. Dave Grohl, our favorite go-to rock star, or the mainstream's favorite rock star, he's going to guest on the new Muppet Show, and he's going to have a drum off with Animal, which sounds perfect. It sounds so much fun. The only way that that could be any better is if, like, they do it for a little while, and then they have somebody like somebody else who's a drum god, like Neil Peart, just kind of walk on. And, and <laughs> the drum solo of life, <laughs> Neil, Neil. <laughs> oh, all right. So here's the thing that's going to take away our "Everything Is Awesome" clip because we just can never. Oh, ever, I'm ever sorry. Play the follow up to the whole Paris thing didn't take it away already. Well, we we said we were we were not going to do that if like there was a continuation of the same story. This is something new. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Um, acclaimed hard rock vocalist David Van Landing, he's been in the, the Michael Shanker group, was killed early Tuesday morning in a collision with a garage, a garbage truck in Clearwater, Florida. That's unfortunate. I didn't know. I don't know anything about the Michael Shanker group, so but it's just something that came up across. Well, Michael Shanker's a great guitar player, so I know that. Yeah. All right. Um, continuing on, Napalm Death, the frontman Barney Greenway, he's, he missed two shows this week for, quote, unseen personal obligations. Um, the singer of Corrupt Moral Altar, Chris Reese, filled in. Greenway rejoined the band on November 19th, and they are currently on the road with Carcass, Voivod, Obituary, and Herod. That's which, Badass set, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, especially now that I now that I've seen Napalm Death, and I'm like, hey, I like those guys. Yeah, and they're the, cool. The last Carcass album was great. We talked about yeah, wanting yeah. to see Voivod and Obituary has been around forever. Obituary's legend, legendary. Let's yeah. Say, so, although we we have seen one of the members before, in the when MWK. he was in Andrew WK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so to get him to go bowling. Here's a a relatively long story. This one happened over the course of a couple of days. Lamb of God. Was is on tour with children or yeah is on tour with children of Bodom and Silosis. They had a show that was scheduled for um, Wednesday night and it got canceled pretty much at the last second. Pretty much at, like right before doors was supposed to open uh, over cons- security concerns. Just because the whole Paris thing, everyone's kind of up in arms about everything. Um, then it was announced the next day that. Uh, Lamb of God was leaving the tour, citing security concerns, uh, just fear for their safety, fan safety, the crew safety. However, Children of Bodom and Silosis are continuing the tour, which then led the frontman of Destruction to go out and say, quote, an, an overrated American band is giving it to terrorism, pretty much. So he's just kind of calling out Lamb of God, and it, 
people have been talking about whether Lamagar was right or whether they are just being overly paranoid and I think a bunch of people are using the word pussies. So, Considering Randy Blythe's track record? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I really would like, if I was Lamb of God, and considering that it's an American band and they're on foreign soil, I would be, the first thing I want to be is get on a plane and go home. Mm-hmm. I want to be safe in my own country. Um, not to say that any... Not, not to say that safe. your country's any safer, but... Right, but I just want to be home. I want to be with my family, and I definitely don't want to risk the the life of myself, my fans, or my crew for a couple of shows. Mm-hmm. You know, give it a little bit of time, let things settle, and then go back on tour. That's what I would do. But some fans are just getting all pissy about it, saying, like, you know, they're letting terrorists win. It's like, no, we want to be safe. I mean, I don't know. I, I, pre- I prefer the band to stick around for a while. And like you said, considering Randy Bly's track record, considering Prague, he got jumped in Dublin last week. I mean, it's just not good for him to be on the road yeah, he, in he, Europe right now. He, he's not uh, he's not doing well in other countries. Yeah. So. He's that, not he's not very big in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just uh, whatever, just a continuation of the whole incident from Paris, really. Um, in other news, all shall perish, frontman Craig. Craig Beetz, Bet Bettitz, uh, whatever. Uh, his daughter Harper was born with uh, several vascular abnormalities. I'm not even going to try to pronounce one of the ones. Specifically, pyogenic granuloma. All right, there, medical dude. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she needs several surgeries and a lot of tests, and he's very busy taking care of her. And of course, we all know that medical bills can be astronomical. Uh, so he's launched a crowdfunding campaign with only a goal of only $2,000, which seems kind of low considering some of the stuff I had to pay for for, or what was charged for William. Yeah. Um, so, but as of Thursday evening when I last checked, they, he already raised 2300 bucks. I can only assume that he's gone up from there, which is awesome. I love it when things like that happen. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, he, he, even, he just asked for just something that somebody makes like in a week depending on their job. Um, and he got over that real quick, which is so cool. All right, so next up, I got two two instances of bus crashes uh, this week. <clears throat> no, it's been a bad week, <laughs> yeah, man. It's kind of a down week. I know. Um, the Ghost Inside, their tour bus cr- had a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler outside of El Paso, Texas this week. Two people were uh, pronounced dead at the scene. They were the, both the drivers of the bus and the 18-wheeler. Uh, the drummer, the guitarist, and the singer of the band received serious injuries and apparently were airlifted to University Medical Center, uh, where they were eventually brought down to stable condition. There was conflicting reports saying that they were in critical condition. Then later on, the bassist got on social media and said that they were in stable condition. Um, the bassist and touring guitarist both received serious injuries, but they were also listed as stable. Apparently, the the families were on their way to visit them and everything was, they were all, all good. So there no other deaths have been reported. Um, a GoFundMe page has been started to raise money for the health medical bills. As we just talked about for, um, the guy from all shall perish. They had a, <clears throat> a relatively low goal, I think, but they surpassed $70,000 already with bring me the horizon. Uh, the band bring me the horizon dropping $10,000 alone. Well, they got that, that, that 
62 on the Billboard charts money now. <laughs> yeah, well, so I just think that's cool that other bands, are, you know, who would be notorious for, like, saying, oh, you know, whatever, just that dude just, those dudes just dropping 10 grand on them. Yeah. And that's awesome. Mm. So, I mean, just the community helping itself out, it's always good to see. Because yeah. I saw a couple other bands, I went to the page briefly, I saw a couple other bands donated like $1,000 here, $1,000 there. You know, just really, really fucking cool. Mm. So, considering also the the amount of injuries, I mean, that's three members of your band, four, almost all your members yeah. of your band well, I think seriously hurt. Five, right? Yeah, I mean, they mentioned the the three, the drummer, the guitarist, and the singer all in stable condition with serious injuries, and then the bassist and the touring guitarist, I think, were a little bit less. So, all right. The other crash, um, Hinder, not exactly a metal band, but this is a hard rock band. They were uh, involved in a crash as well. I didn't see where it was, but uh, the bassist and the lighting guy, they suffered broken ribs. Oh, they were outside outside Tennessee. Yeah. Um, the bus driver, Dave, was transferred to a hospital in Nashville where he underwent some kind of surgery. So it's two bus accidents in the same week, and the only thing I think about when I hear about a bus crash is Cliff Burton. That's it. That's all I think about. But you know, you got, you got two bus crashes, you got a guy dead from a fucking garbage truck. Like, yeah. people... Driving, it's not that hard. Apparently, it is a lot harder. Oh my gosh! I, I'm I'm wondering about this head-on collision with the the 18 wheeler. <laughs> yeah, if you see if you see pictures of of the crash site because they're all over the place now, they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. So someone must have fallen asleep behind the wheel because mm-hmm. it's on like one of those two lane two lane streets in the middle of bumfuck Texas because it's outside of El Paso, 24 miles outside of El Paso. Uh, you and I have been on those roads when we were driving, not El Paso specifically, but the Houston. back roads of fucking Texas yeah. driving here um, there's nothing so what the fuck <laughs> yeah, like once you hit Arkansas like they just turn off the power <laughs> yeah that was so horrible yeah I was waiting for a deer to run out maybe that's what happened I fucking saw a deer and just ran into you know the, what considering this, the amount of dead deer I've seen around here in San Antonio I wouldn't be surprised yeah <sighs> alright last bit of general news and this one has been uh, a little viral, I think, as of the last couple of days. Uh, Sanford, Florida, police officer Andrew Ricks appeared on stage with vital remains for the track Let the Killing Begin and has since been fired from the police force uh, for that appearance. So he was let go on Wednesday. Apparently, though, he issued or he sent in his resignation in October to be effective this Friday, meaning yesterday. So... A- it was uh, he was let go a couple days early for this show. He was two days away from retirement. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't read the I didn't read the article. But apparently, there's reports now that he's had other issues recently, which mm-hmm. also led to his termination okay. prior to his his expected really uh, resignation date. So whatever. I mean, he was a cop. He was in uniform. I think it was the 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 big deal was that he was actually in uniform when he's on stage. Um, so the thought was that he was supposed to be on duty. And was kind of neglecting his, his duties to go to the stage, but I read that he was also he was patrolling the venue. I mean that was his job, mm-hmm. so he was there on duty, and he wasn't like he was singing. He said he screamed, "Let the killing begin!" because it's actually an instrumental track, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He's just on stage, pretty much. I don't know. That's yeah. That's a little. <laughs> that's a little weird. I guess there's more specifics needed for something like that. Cause... Yeah. All right. Well. Let's get into recording news. Important Let's, news. Important stuff. <laughs> Very important the first news. one up, King Diamond guitarist Andy LaRock 
states that after a short break following the current Abigail tour, the band will enter the studio to record new material. What an announcement. Right? I want to say two things about this in particular. One, so we recorded the I Saw a Show after the show last week. Yep. At the time of recording, this had not been announced. As I'm editing it, we make a joke about how he needs to make a new album. Yeah. You know, get the motherfucker on the phone. Yep. And I'm like, well, <laughs> we are topical. <laughs> and very late. Yeah. And two, after the show last week, I had gone to work and I had mentioned that I had seen King Diamond. The guy just looked at me and goes, you have ruined my fucking day. Because I wanted to see that show. <laughs> Calls up his brother in Houston like, yo, King Diamond's coming to Houston. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I have encouraged the man to go see King Diamond because King Diamond's amazing. Now, the only downer, I wouldn't say downer to this, is that uh, King, the man himself, says that he's in actually no rush to record. The album will come out when it's done. So, yes, they are recording in 2016. Will we see the album in 2016? We can only hope. At least it's not like Metallica. Well, yeah. We're hard at work on our new album. (laughs) Five years ago... (laughs) So, continuing on, Anvil. Remember them? Again? <laughs> they are releasing a new album called Anvil is Anvil. This February is this 26th. nothing more. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I mean, I love the documentary. I have one one of Anvil's record. I think they're actually a pretty good band. They just sound... They, when they do something like this, it just seems silly. Anvil is Anvil. It's like... Are you trying to be deep? <laughs> hey, you're talking about a band that has a chorus that is literally "fuck off." I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. There is that too. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Amaranth will be recording a, and releasing a new record next year, but it will not replace Cynical. Cynical. Nope, definitely not. Did somebody say Cynical. <laughs> God, do it. All right. Okay, here we go. Black Tusk. They're going to be returning with a full, a new full-length album titled Pillars of Ash on January 29th. Uh, this effort will feature the final recordings of their late bassist, Jonathan Athen, who died in a motor- motorcycle accident last year, around this time last year, actually. Um, Corey uh, Barha- Barhorst. 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 Uh, formerly of, I'm going to pronounce the band name again, wrong again, uh, Kalisi, Kalesa? Yeah, that one. Something like that. Yeah. Has since replaced him in the outfit. So, new vocalist, uh, new bassist, and new record for Black Tusk. All right. Here's one that was actually kind of fun, uh, because I actually did get a chance to listen to this one. I didn't mention it before, but um, in response to the fire Romania that killed four-fifths of Goodbye to Gravity, We've been covering this for the last couple of weeks, obviously. Um, metal album artist, Costin. We're just going to call him Costin. He's done uh, album covers for At the Gates, Arch Enemy, Napalm Death, and Dark Throne. He released an EP to benefit the families of those affected by the fire. Not just the band, but of course, all the fans that passed away, which last count was up to like 54. Yeah. The EP features members of bands like Psy and Mayhem, and can be, it can be streamed. I have to probably put a link on that. I didn't get the website. It's I think actually it's on uh, Bandcamp because it has a uh, pay what you want thing. Actually, I think they charge a buck, but you can obviously pay more. Uh, so if you're up for it, feel free to uh, go down there, download it, pay what you can, and it'll go to a good cause. So 
I actually did listen to it. There's a couple really long tracks, so I think it's kind of unfair to call this an EP because I think four of the four of the six tracks are over ten minutes long. So that's already longer than like a Slayer album. Um, I think one track is longer than a Slayer. Yeah. Album. <laughs> Uh, but I thought it was really good. It's all instrumental. Very, there's some really good heavy parts. There's some good ambient parts in there. It's a very mixed bag of music. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. For anybody who cares, Devil Driver is releasing a new album, Trust No One, on May 13th. Uh, this is going to be the first one to feature the new guitarist and drummer, which I had no idea they left. So. Yeah, yeah, Devil Driver. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw them live once. It was like, Okay. I think they played Ozfest or something like that, didn't they? No, I saw them at Hammerstein for some show. Oh. I think I saw them at Ozfest. And yeah. It was Dez, being Dez. Entombed AD, which is, I think, a, an offshoot of Entombed. I, honestly, I, when I saw this on here, I went to look it up, but I'm 100% certain. I, well, I read the whole, I think it was one of those Blabbermouth articles. Blabbermouth has a tendency of giving you the information in the first two paragraphs and like five paragraphs of back history. So I think the last paragraph that it mentioned that this band Entombed AD was in like a legal battle with the guys from Entombed I think it's an offshoot thing kind of like you know Tracy Guns and Queensryche and all and Bath and, and Ghost, Immortal Ghost and all BC. that good stuff just nonsense but they're releasing their second album Dead Dawn on February 26th so look out for that one and Wolf Mother is one of those bands up there with like The Sword and um, a couple of the other Retro rock bands that sound more like Black Sabbath than anything else will release a new album called Victorious on February 19th. So, 2016 is shaping up to be a pretty gosh darn good year already. Yeah, it seems like it's starting off pretty well. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. <laughs> on to touring news. Of which course. The first bit here we talked about a little bit last week, I believe. I think we've been talking, like, the first rumblings of it like hit fever pitch last weekend like mm-hmm. right before we recorded uh, Guns N' Roses of course always a topic of conversation when it comes to reunion tours mm-hmm. uh, but like I said last week it hit a fever pitch when one website said that they were definitely going to be announcing a tour very 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 soon um, earlier this week and I haven't heard anything since then it was announced not announced but it's been rumored that it's only going to be a semi reunion with Slash Axel and Duff McKagan being the only original members to be in the band. The lineup will be rounded out by Chinese Democracy era members Richard Fortas and Frank Fer- Ferrer. So that's uh, rhythm guitar and drums, respectively. Uh, there's no rumor. There's no mention in the rumors about uh, Dizzy Reed or Chris Pittman, who's also who play keyboards for the band. So you know, people are gonna go see it. Oh my god! Yeah, I. I I want to go see it. I just don't trust Axl Rose to sound good. I don't. I don't trust him to show up on time. I don't. I don't. I don't trust. I don't yeah. trust anything about like, that I, show. Like if I were to go to the show, I would probably request off like the entire week around the show just to be ready because <laughs> <laughs> he might come on late. <laughs> I may never get home. So, yeah, I, you know, I've I've had friends who said that they've seen the new Guns N' Roses and they said it's a really good show. He when, might have been the one. Th- the one few shows they actually showed up on time and played for fucking three hours. But, but also, it's a matter of when that was because, again, like, a lot of the bigger reunion stuff for Guns N' Roses happened over five years ago. Mm. It's like, it's... Well, it's been since, I think he saw the show since Chinese Democracy's happened. I think it was one of the first first run of, re, of 
Guns N' Roses shows. But that was still... Yeah, what, seven years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And, uh, like, you know, recent clips that I've seen, he doesn't sound good, he doesn't look good. Well, he, he probably can stand to lose yeah. a few pounds. I can, I can help. <laughs> <laughs> Axel, reach out, buddy. Up the iron, three, three, one, four. Yeah, stop wearing that. Stop wearing that yellow, uh, yellow raincoat on stage. And get rid, of, get rid of the the bandana. We know you're bald. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. be like me. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you own it. <laughs> what? All right, on tour, coming up in. Uh, March, I think, actually. Yeah, so it's going to be like an early spring tour. A bath. Abbath. Is it a bath or Abbath? I've always said Abbath. I always said Abbath. But I think I've heard a couple people say Abbath before. Okay. A bath. Well, that dude who's killing it as of late is going on tour with High on Fire, Skeleton Witch, and Tribulation. Uh, This is going to be the Decibel... The annual Decibel Magazine tour. So apparently this is one of... A tour that happens every year. I've, I've only heard, like... It this year and pretty even last year, but it's like a five-year running tour. And according to the guys who report on it, they've been killing it every year. So this one doesn't sound like any different. <coughs> uh, the closest one to us is going to be in Austin, uh, March 23rd. It's a Wednesday. So if anyone's interested in seeing that. Oh, yeah. We'll be checking that one out. That. Um, Richie Blackmore announces the lineup for his rock shows. And he issued a kind of a there was an audio sampling of Lords of Black singer Ronnie R- Romero who's going to be singing for him we've been talking about this guy for a while not him specifically but when it was first announced that Richie Blackmore was going on rock shows he said that his new singer sounded like a cross between Dio and Freddie Mercury which is a bold statement a very bold statement and I did listen to the clips from, from the band uh, Lords of Black and I can definitely hear the Dio there's definitely a little bit of Dio in there Freddie Mercury I have to listen to a whole song um, I, th- like I think we, there's a lot of um, verse clips in there, mm. so they got the Dio's drive, but I don't know about if the choruses. Choruses tend to be a little bit more defin- definitive of what a singer can do. I think. Yeah. So. So I will um, be judge of that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will leave that up to you. But also in his touring band is uh, Stradivarius uh, keyboardist Jens Johansson. Yes. Blackmore Knight, Blackmore's Knight drummer David Keith, and bassist Bob uh, Nouveau. A.K. Robert, oh Robert Bob, all right. He's from he's he used to be in Blackmore's Night. Yeah. All right. The next one up. The reason I was listening to Tool, they announced the first set of tour dates for January, and the motherfuckers are coming to San Antonio January thirteenth. Got my tickets. Same here. I think the coolest thing that they're touring with Primus. Yes. Yeah. Bucket like, list. Like I wanted, I wanted to see Primus when they came around to New York months ago, but the tickets were too expensive. Well, they were, they came around here last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played. I think they played the Aztec, and I think they played. They were playing in support of their last record, which was the Charlie Chocolate Factory record. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have seen that, and I have a friend of mine who saw Primus years ago. Uh, Lippy saw yeah. Primus years ago, and he said that they are one of the best shows he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine, even at an opening set of 45 minutes, I'm sure they're going to fucking blow me away. So, awesome. 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 Ugh. Okay. Nightwish. They're on tour. Uh, They sold out their biggest UK show ever. They will headline the 12,000-seat capacity Wembley Arena on December 19th. Apparently, they are the first Finnish band to ever headline that venue. Right on. So, good for them. 
not only not only headline it, but you're also pretty much selling it out. Yeah, that's, they sold out. It's sold out. That's intense. Yeah, that is awesome. Very very cool. Uh, they've been killing it as of late too. I mean, that last record was really good, and the fact that everyone loves Floor and a lot of people hated Annette was just well, it's just good for them. They're coming around here in uh, in March. So yes, we're they def- are. We're definitely catching that. Definitely want to catch that one because I still need to see them. Damn it! Oh, that's right. I never saw them. That's right. I got to see this the show before that before they dropped off. Mm-hmm. Wow, I forgot about that. Yep. Um, speaking of Entombed AD, they will embark in a European tour in January with Behemoth, that guy at Bath or Abbath, <laughs> and Inquisition. This must be like a whole lot of erection on that side of the room, right? Yeah, now. dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, <laughs> doing this show now, it's like I just am realizing how out of it I've been in some of this stuff. Like, Intimidate and B- AD has been around since 2014, since yeah. they broke up. So that's I need to go check all this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, this show helps just, out a lot. This, <laughs> you know, like that's that's exactly what we've been saying. It's like before we started the show, it's like I try to follow up on things, and I and like oh, I want to listen to that, but I never give a sh-. now. I'm kind of forcing myself to, and it's been really cool because I've been finding out about a lot of new bands and. It's been phenomenal, and just keeping up on the news like this, it kind of. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the album cycle, um, how bands record, go on tour, record, go on tour, and you can actually see that now that we talk about recording news and then touring news, and it's almost very cyclical, yeah. very cyclical. Even from the from what we've been talking about, we've only been doing this for like three months, so. Um, but yeah, that's just a European tour. Unfortunately, it's in Copenhagen. And we'll wrap up in Slovenia. Slovenians love their death metal, apparently. Um, Guar will be forming a very special Midnight in the Guardian of New Year's Evil at the National in Richmond, Virginia on New Year's Eve. So they're going to be playing a New Year's Eve show. Uh, They are promising a special one-of-a-kind performance with guests and events, and we're going to be hearing more about it in the weeks to come, obviously, because... The year's coming to a close in about a month. It's going to be a lot of top albums from 2015. And Guar. I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> I have a hard enough doing top three for the month, dude. Yeah. I was I was thinking the same thing. There's like no way I can narrow it down to like what a top five. Yeah, I'm no not. Even, I'm, I'm not way. even going to suggest the idea. We're not doing that shit. I'm calling it right now. Confirmed. We're not yeah. doing it. Yeah, and if Pat says something, it's like yeah. If you can get your 2015 rec- uh, top fi- top five from 2015 out before 2017, that'd be great. Uh, last bit of news that also um, kind of ties into the whole thing of Paris we mentioned before that Deftones canceled the remainder dates of their European tour it was announced earlier, uh, late last night that they are rescheduling some of their European tours uh, European dates just a few of them um, for June so far they have excluded Paris for the time being um, obviously that's just you know a sore subject over there so they're just at least they're getting back out there and they're doing it. So good for them. And I'm sure all the other bands who cancel shows are going to be rescheduling in the next couple of months. So let things heal up and get going again. <coughs> Excuse me. I need a lozenger. See, this is what I'm talking about. I know. I'm getting dried out here. <laughs> you need to <sighs> shut the fuck up sometime. <laughs> like, you need to get up on shit like doing news yourself, man. You usually cover it. I usually go look at it on my phone at work, and then I come home, and it's there on the list already. I'm like, well, damn it. Well, yeah, because I'm on that shit. Uh, mm. Okay, so 
Heavy metal in the charts? Yes, heavy metal okay. in the charts. Heavy metal in the charts. Well, I'm going to start with one that's not heavy metal at all, but I was just surprised to see so fucking high up on the list. The Beatles, greatest hits record, number one. That means all the number one singles. is Back on the charts. They weren't on the charts last week at all. They're back on the charts at number six. That's pretty hmm. damn high for... What? Like, oh, like, no, that's... they just re-released it. Oh, is that uh, right? Yes, they just re-released oh, it. That makes a lot of sense. That makes so much more sense. I think they re-released it with the DVD. Oh, okay. Yes. That makes so much more I, sense. I know I went to Target and I saw it and I was like, why is that there? That's different. It's okay. Like, nah, they just... That makes so much more sense now because I was like wondering what the hell happened yeah, no. that the Beatles would be back on by the charts. Did you listen to the podcast a couple weeks ago where we talked about how they do the charting? Mm-mm. Well, just to give you a background, just so you're not surprised by this, um, the top 200 is based on physical sales... Uh, digital sales so what happens is if um, 10 songs total from an album does it, it can be the same song 10 times but if 10, so- 10 songs are sold from an album digitally that counts as a sale and then also if a, any song from any album gets 15,000 streams that counts as a sale so when, you, when we get into like some of the later ones you'll see why they're on there um, so th- just so you know got right? it um, continuing on, Def Leppard. I know you told me to skip them last week, but last week they were at number ten with their newest record. They dropped down all the way to fifty-eight. So what he was just telling you about physical sales and digital sales, we don't know why Def Leppard's on there. <laughs> <laughs> you were saving that one, weren't you? <laughs> I, I, you know, just what has nine arms and sucks shit. I, I like I like older Def Leppard. They just. It's just... That, that's a major James Keenan joke. He told that at the, the Perfect Circle show. I saw on that. They just—I don't know. I, I really wish that Vivian Campbell will go back to metal. He does last in line, which is um, I think the, his Dio tribute band, pretty much, where he probably performs "Holy Diver." He, well, because he did the first like, four Dio albums. Oh, did were, he? Yeah, he was oh. a, he was a guitar player for the first four, and and like there were some of the best albums. Yeah, and it's like now we're gonna go do Def Leppard. <laughs> hey, money. <sighs> Come on, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of money. And pour some sugar on me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All the dicks. Rock of Ages, bitches. I, again, again I, I like Rock of Ages. I hate pour some sugar on me. I hate that. that song. Dude, that song kills me. I, I can. I mean, Love Bites. I hate that song too. Whenever I, whenever I go to, uh, <clears throat> when I used to go to the bar like every weekend, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That song was always played, and it's like, oh my god, I can strangle myself. Yeah. That's why I drank my sorrows away. <laughs> By the time if black if I was still if I was still conscious when Pour Some Sugar on Me came on, that was a bad night. <laughs> yeah, you better you better wake up and hear piano man. That's about it. That's about <laughs> it. That means I can go home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continuing on. Five Finger Death Punch. Their last record is still on the charts. They're not going to go away. They actually came up a little bit from number sixty nine up to sixty four. I wish they had gone up by six, so I could be like, oh, gotcha six. <sighs> I thought you hated puns, you fucker. <laughs> I do, which is why I'm just so mad at myself. Oh, you gotta stop yourself. <laughs> I, have to, I have to punish myself. Um, back in Black, ACDC, which is probably why I got doing the, the the metal charts. I think I did this Thursday night, and I started listening to Black uh, to ACDC on Friday. So this is probably why I started it. Back in Black is back on the charts. Wasn't on there last week at 102. Must be a lot of people listening to that Iron Man soundtrack. Yeah, you keep saying that every time I mention that. Because that's all it is. I know. It's literally all just that. Like, they just re released Bl- Back in Black. 
yeah. as the Iron Man soundtrack. Pretty much, you know, repackaging, relabeling. Yeah, whatever. seriously. You put Marvel on it, you sell. Yeah, Disney on it, you sell. Sure. Yeah. Disturbed, their latest record, Immortalized, is still on the charts at um, number one twenty six, uh, slightly down from one twenty. So mm-hmm. they got the six. Yeah. Still, still no surprise though. Yeah. Devil, you know. Uh, unfortunately, we still haven't been able to listen to this one, but they debuted at 128. You know they're going to be gone next week. Yeah, you know, definitely, yeah. most certainly. That's that's the, that's where the physical sales come into play, right yeah. there. That's people going out and buying their records next week. Nothing. Um, greatest hits albums are still performing pretty well, from the likes of Fleetwood Mac, Queen, Journey. Bob Marley and Tupac made a <laughs> resurrection here. I was like, "Why did you put Tupac?" On I, I, just, I just put the general, the general greatest hits this, <laughs> because this plays into the whole why I mentioned why things, um, how they're counted. There's another hologram so apparently, going. On. Apparently, Tupac has been getting a whole bunch of streams, unless they re-release some kind of album of his. I don't know. I don't follow that. So, um, but like I said, this was a greatest hits record. So he's probably got a couple extra streams this 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 week. I'm t- I, I guess something in particular happened. Maybe it's, maybe it's the anniversary of his death or something. Maybe, something like that. Um, Master of Puppets and, Just- and, and Injustice for All are still on the charts at 158 and 175, respectively. That's where that whole streaming thing comes right. to play. So anytime you put it on a hard rock or a metal um, stream on like Spotify or Pandora or anything like that, you're going to hear one, Master of Puppets, and probably those on every hour on the hour. So if... Ten, if fifteen thousand people do that, that's a sale. So that's where that's why those older albums are still there. Man, remember like, when Lars was against like digital music? Yeah, I mean, right. Wow, like right. So uh, this week's from out of nowhere. I like this one because this whole streaming thing does bring out from out of nowhere. Oh, wasn't the Beatles? Bon Jovi, "Slippery When Wet," one hundred and eighty. Because everyone's listening to "Living on a Prayer" and. Uh... What's the other one? Living on a prayer? No, 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 no. The, the, the Part one, two. No, the one that um, the, the one the Northern Kings covered. Oh, Jesus Christ! The one where he's a cowboy. Yeah. Why one one dead or alive? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Both on the same album. So. Yeah. So still, I don't know where Bon Jovi "Slippery When Wet." By the way, can I just tell you how weird it was when I was listening to that album? Because um, that album also has the um. The song that introduces um, Lone Star and Barf from Spaceballs—that's that bon, really that's a Bon Jovi song. No fucking way. At least uh, if, if it's not that one, it's the one where they're in the bar. One of those two songs is. The, is I don't think it's the one in the bar. It's probably so the it's one, one, yeah. yeah that, them being introduced—that's a Bon Jovi song. Wow. And I was and I, I heard it for the first time. I was like, what? Well, that's like that's kind of like me thinking. I keep forgetting that the mall scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is extreme. Oh yeah. Totally keep forgetting that. Oh yeah. Because that does not sound like an because, extreme because, song. Because then you think more than words, and fuck, I hate that song. Yeah, pretty much. Fuck, I hate that song. I much rather listen to and watch the video of Weird Al versions of it, or his his parody of that video. Oh yeah, you've never you've seen that? I don't think I have. Oh my god, when we recorded Weird Al TV from from Much I, Music I'm, all I'm, those years ago, I don't think I ever saw that one though. You're gonna have to YouTube that later. I will it's have hilarious. To. Anyway, last on the charts and. You can only imagine that it's because of the possible reunion rumors here. Appetite for Destruction is back on the charts at 184. Not the greatest hits. The greatest hits have always been on there. The actual album, Appetite for Destruction. 
I was gonna I was gonna sit here and say like, oh, that's because everyone's listening to a particular track, but I don't know what tracks are on the greatest hits album, so I can't even make it. Probably any... Appetite for Destruction, like the album. Yeah. <laughs> and then this too is like a couple of selections from Use Your Illusion. I think it's one disc though. That's why I'm, that's why I'm a little confused. But yeah, charts are weird sometimes. Yeah, freaking Beatles. Um, so I have a note here that we have to make some space for a another interview that was done by Pat. Excellent. And I, I believe Reese. I haven't actually heard this interview, so I'm not going to know anything about it. But it was done with Madam Mayhem. Cool. Um, if you don't know, Pat has a connection back home in New York where he gets to interview with a lot of bands. And in particular, he got to meet with uh, Madam Mayhem, which I believe is the, the name of the lady who yes, fronts yeah, the band. We covered her a couple weeks ago. She had yeah. a new release. Yeah. Uh, so Pat got the interviewer, and we're going to input that interview right here, right now. So check it out. <laughs> 89.7 FM, mywcwp.org. Pat and Reese here hanging out with Madam Mayhem. Uh, should I call you Madam, Miss Mayhem, which is... Um, Mayhem's fine. Mayhem is fine. Yeah. It's not It's not often that you hear that. No, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling. We want to know a lot about you because there's not a lot of information on your stuff outside of your own page. Uh, you have a release coming out. Is it your first? Uh, no. Uh, it's actually the first one uh, that's being distributed through Red, which I'm really excited about, and it's actually out now, so you guys can all check it out. Excellent. In the videos and everything, we just see you, but obviously it's not just you on the album. Who else did you have performing on there with you? Well, it's a really cool group of guys. We have Billy Sheehan, who is a bass legend, and he's been a mentor of mine for years, and um, he's playing bass on there, and he co-wrote a lot of the songs with me, and then we were able to get Ray Lugier from Korn and KXM on drums, and then you have Bumblefoot uh, playing a lot of cool leads uh, and guitar, and Russ Parrish as well, who's also known as Satchel from Steel Panther, and then I also co-wrote some songs on there with Corey Lowry from San Antonio. So it's, it's a pretty cool group of guys. Wow. Um, how did you get all these people together for this project? Well, uh, Billy's been a mentor of mine for years, and... Um, I, you know, I've been doing this for a little while now, and uh, we were I was out in L.A. visiting, and we were writing for a little bit, and we decided to make a record out of it. So it just kind of happened, and once we wrote all the songs, we really wanted to pick, you know, uh, the right group of guys that we thought could uh, bring our ideas to life, and, and we found them. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Sheehan also had another album come out this year. How did he have time to work yeah. on both everything with your stuff and <laughs> I don't his? know how he does lots of stuff, because he has so much going on, and he still manages to make time. So, I mean... He can he can do it all. He he did two albums in in a year, and I don't, I don't know how he does it. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure out that secret. Um, we just finished watching the video for Monster today. Uh, which school did you burn down to film it in? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, it's actually we we used a a warehouse uh, out in California or uh, in the LA area. And uh, there was a lot of cool stuff that was already there, kind of like broken down things. And there was like a whole like junkyard type thing out back. And, and we were just able to really make it look, it was easy to make it look like that. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, no real fire. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was some in like the back background, but uh, I didn't get to actually blow anything up, which was kind of sad. But, you know, it, as long as the illusion uh, got across, that's what matters. Every time we uh, talk to somebody and they say they filmed the video in a warehouse, I have to ask this. Legal? Of course. <laughs> okay. Making <laughs> yes, sure. Yes, yes. There were yeah. permits and the guy who owns it was there. It was very, uh, I mean, 
yeah, it was kind of against my type, but uh, we we did it all legal, all the books, and it was actually a lot of fun because there was a few cool rooms, and even the first scene from the video for Monster was also shot in the same warehouse, just in a different section. So it was kind of perfect when uh, the guys from Industrialism Films who who shot it, when they went to go look for locations for our themes, it was like perfect. Front room had exactly what we wanted and back room looked like a really scary abandoned uh insane asylum so it was really easy i'm gonna guess that place was probably used for a haunted house recently then hopefully maybe <laughs> yeah i don't know i should check on that <laughs> well when we were watching it all we kept thinking was just you have so many huge names attached to the project do they tour with you or do they well their schedules are really busy because their their bands are always working but i do have a band that i tour with that are amazing group of guys that um, I put together after we finished the record that I just wanted to make sure that you know they could really portray what we wanted and sound like the record and still have their own vibe to it and lucky enough we found those guys so so I do have a band that that uh, plays live with me and then of course if any of the guys from the record happen to be in town I would definitely call them up but uh, <laughs> I, have, I have some pretty great guys uh, that I play with live. You got a guy from the winery dogs you got a, a guitarist from uh, Guns and Roses, and then you've got the guy who who co-wrote the song Asian Hooker. So how does? Yeah, <laughs> I love that song. By the way. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Huge fan of Steel Panther over here. But uh, how did you get all of those people together to work on this? Like, and it just kind of meshes together. Well, uh, Billy knew a bunch of the guys already initially, and I knew some of them too. And um, basically, after we wrote the songs, we were just thinking, okay, so. Who do we think would be able to, you know, really portray what we wanted? And and you know, we made some calls, and Billy was like, "Hey, check out these demos, see if you're, you know, into it." And and fortunately enough, they they were they were excited about it. So it was cool. Where did you come up with your with your own personal sound? I'm, I can hear some of the influences, but where did you come up with it yourself? Really, just like a sound that I love. Uh, it wasn't really something that was hard to put together. It's just really what I like and the, the music that I like to make. And uh, based on that, I love the heavier music. And then my voice can't really change that too much. So it's just the sound that comes out uh, since I am classically trained and I'm also trained in musical theater. So whatever whatever my voice is is what my voice is. And I love heavy music. So it's kind of unique because of that. It's not, uh, you know, your typical uh, run-of-the-mill hard rock or heavy metal. I found that that's like a huge thing where like a lot of classically trained singers switch to the metal very, very easily. So. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it, but I love it. I think it's really cool. And, and whenever you can make those connections, you know, you're like, oh, my schooling made sense. This is why. You know? <laughs> and then you end up being like heavy metal and you're like, oh, but uh, classical works. So Trust it's actually kind of interesting. Trust me, I know what it's like to be like, well, at least I get to use my degree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's exactly because, well, what was I going to do when I got out with a Bachelor's of Music? Uh, this. Uh, I mean, I could have gone any genre, but this is a genre that I love and that I'm a fan of as well. Like this is, you know, and, and I've always dressed and looked like this. So, you know, it it made sense. That's my vibe. I always listen to hard rock and metal. So um, when it was like, what are you going to do next? It only made sense if I was going to take this career path and, and be in music. I wanted to do it in the genre that I would turn on in my car. You know, it only made sense. All right. Uh, you're going to be in Webster Hall on the 18th, so next week. Yep. Um, and we saw that you grew up in the city. Uh, have you ever played at Webster before? 
Um, I didn't play under, you know, with my own band, but I've been at Webster before. Um, I got to sing with Adrenaline Mob a few years back when they were playing. Um, there was a duet that they did on, I think it was their first record, yeah. with uh, Lizzie Hale, and uh, obviously she wasn't there. So uh, those guys are great guys, and, and they're friends of mine, and, and they were cool enough to, uh, you know, they were in town, and I was going anyway, and they were like, why don't you just come up and, and sing that? So they brought me on stage for that, which was really awesome, and and I mean, they're just great guys. So I have I have played there before, but only in that in that sense. Before we let you go, we want to let you know that uh, every interview that we do, we do go through a little lightning round here, where okay. we just ask the guests a rapid fire series of questions as quickly as possible. Just answer these, and we'll all get through this stupid crap a lot faster. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll try my best. All right. Number one, chicken or fish? Chicken. Number two, beer or booze? Beer. Black Sabbath, Dio or Ozzy? Who would win in an arm wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. That's a trick question. Lemmy is God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> darn it. <laughs> Describe Metallica's last 15 years in three words or less. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, that's a but, hard one. Uh, that's four. Yeah, that's a hard one. All right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> and everyone who was on your last album is stranded on a desert island. Which member is eaten first? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Me, probably. <laughs> I oh, would probably wow. end up being, yeah, probably. It's not often that we get a sacrifice. Yes. It's normally like. Well, I'd like to be, I mean, I probably wouldn't have much choice in it, but they're all a lot bigger than I am. <laughs> I mean, I have all the spikes and all the weaponry, but I mean, I, I mean I'm pretty good at fighting, but I'm pretty sure Corey could take me down in a second. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could have I won that fight. The, go, the go-to answer is always bass player. Yep. No, I would never. <laughs> because bassists have been kind to me throughout my career. If you think of, like, Billy Sheehan is my producer, bass player, you know, uh, Corey Lyra, all my co-writers tend to be bass players. It's very strange. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's a new perspective, yeah. but we'll take it. It really is. It really is. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Madam Mayhem. Her new album is out right now. Mayhem, thank you very much for calling, and we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So yeah, that was Pat's interview with uh, Madam Mayhem. Um, awesome stuff right there. Let's go on to the social media highlight. And Chris, I'm going to let you lead off. All right. Um, my band is the Satanic Assault Division. Their drummer Danny reached out to us via Facebook and asked us to uh, take a listen and see if we liked it. Black Metal from Denmark, and I fucking loved it, dude. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their second full-length album called Kill the Cross, and it is amazing satanic metal. Um, I I thought it was a little bit more uh, towards death metal because um, 
doesn't have like that black metal feel. It doesn't like black. When I think of black metal, I think of like the screeching vocals. I think a little bit of ambience in the background, a lot of blast beats and strumming on one note. We we talk about that, yeah. but these guys are actually more riff based. I think um, they have a lot of really good riff based tracks like Beast and Kill the Cross. are crunchy in your face the vocals are guttural and just just right there occasional screech here and there nothing too extreme and the the drums i just love death metal drumming it's so good i mean even if it is just blast beats just the technicality not the technicality but the the force behind mm -hmm. it is always mm -hmm. just driving um i would recommend this band for any fans of deicide uh so if you like deicide you should definitely check these band this band out um definitely definitely really good so I think that I'm gonna they're gonna be my pick for the live show this week. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely looking forward to that. I, I definitely look forward to messaging them back and telling them that they're gonna be featured on the podcast and they are gonna be featured on the show. So because they've been really cool. Okay. Peter, you got anything? No, I didn't get a chance <laughs> to check them out. No. <laughs> All right, um, my pick for the week is Draconatron. Draconatron. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. You wrote like a novel. Well, your one contribution well, to the script because there's, <laughs> because there's a little bit of a, of a, of a story for them. Uh, but firstly, these guys followed me on Twitter a long time ago, back when I started really kind of getting back into using my Twitter for my exploits, my YouTube channel, and whatnot. Uh, this band followed me. Their Twitter info says eclectic power metal from Chicago, synths, strings, plenty of guitars, no songs under six minutes, no genting allowed. That sounds interesting. The Facebook banner says Power Symphonic Gothic Metal. So, the synths, the strings, the playing guitars thing, no songs under six minutes, sure, that, that all works. Only problem is that they only have two songs available. Oh. And the, um, at the time of them putting up this information, originally, there was only one track available. And that song, yes, it's, it's not under six minutes, it's fine. Um, when they had originally followed me way back when, they were working on their debut. Um, they had only released one song, which was Jealous Eyes. Really good, just straightforward gothic metal uh, for fans of like Moonspell, Sentenced, uh, Latter-day Tiamat especially, um, or any other similar act. They would you're, You would likely have an inclination toward this band. When I was preparing for this, I went to go look back and see what was going on with the band. Since I haven't checked into it in a while, I had them kind of set aside on a list that I was going to do for the live show way back when. Um, they hadn't updated in such a long time. Their Facebook page hasn't been updated since June of 2014, so a oh, wow. year and a half. Their Twitter account 
was updated, I believe, back in September 2014, and it had one thing following up, which was from the 8th, so about two weeks ago uh, this year. They said, we are now defunct, but here's a song. So the I'm guessing, last thing they recorded, probably. So, yeah, I'm guessing that there was the last thing recorded. But the thing is, this new track called uh, either 1590, 1590, whatever you want to call it. This new track was just kind of a change from the uh, the gothic style because it wasn't as simple, straightforward. It didn't sound like you know him or anything like that. This kind of sounded a little bit more in the power metal vein, and it was good. Just the the vocals used for this kind of killed it. Um, it kind of you remember that episode of Aqua Teen when they do the. Um, they do the song with Zach Wild, the birthday and have, song, and you have somebody impersonating Person Geddy, Geddy Lee. Lee. Yeah, that's kind of what the vocals were for me. Ooh, it was it was a bit it was a bit too rough. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was it was just it just didn't it didn't fit the music very well. I mean, I, I could see what they were trying to do, but it didn't sound so good. But musically, it was really good, really good power metalish. Um, so the vocals aside, they sounded like they were they were you know heading into something a little bit different than what the original track was showing. But again, they are apparently now defunct. Golly knows what happened because there was nothing to say that... Like, there was recording and then nothing. And now they're broken up. No no word, no particular thing. Um, but with a new track being unveiled two weeks ago, you got to hope that there's something in the works, like if the members are moving on to something else. Um, maybe us mentioning them will kind of get them out of retirement or we'll get some news about what's going on. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to check out their tracks and kind of get a little preemptive hope that something's going to happen here, go to their uh, Bandcamp page, draconatron.bandcamp.com, facebook.com slash draconatron, or follow them on Twitter at draconatron. Draconatron. <laughs> it sounds like a really like like a vampire transformer type of thing. Which would be the greatest thing ever. Which would be yeah, hilarious, because it'd, be, it'd be right up there with, like, Grimlock. I'd ship it. <laughs> I'd ship it. Um, so now we're going to talk about our discussion, which um, I believe you made up. Yeah, we... I mentioned this a little while ago. I, I wanted to do, like... I wanted to do non-metal projects by metal artists. Mm -hmm. So I figured we can we can do that without requiring me to do a little bit more um, listening than I had time for, because I thought about this on Thursday. Yeah. Um, so I decided to just go, I mean, we're all, three of us are all metalheads, but we also do listen to other things. So what are our, what are our favorite non-metal artists? Not necessarily top three, mm -hmm. but we are just going to pick three each because we can go on forever about this. So, so what I wanted to say before when we were introducing Peter was, let's bring you on to our metal podcast to not talk about metal. <laughs> <laughs> that it's, it's an unfortunate thing for us to be talking about on your first time with us, but there will be many more. And we talk about metal all the time anyway. <clears throat> so, should I lead off? You lead off and then we'll right. go to Peter. So. Alright, so I'm going to lead off on this one. I'm just going to get the one that's like way out of left field out of the way right now. Alanis Morissette. Uh, I love female singers. I don't care. I don't care. 
I love female singers. Doesn't matter what kind of uh, style they're singing in. I just love a good female singer. And back when I was younger, Jagged Little Pill was huge, mm. and she had like six singles off of that record. Yep, uh, that's like astronomical. And the thing is, like, she was really young when she made that record, and she didn't sound it. She sounded very mature for being like I think she was like nineteen when that record came out, and. All those songs are really good. The musicianship on it is great. I love her singing voice. Uh, I love her as God in, in uh, Dogma. Um, everything about her is just really cool. She seems like a really down-to-earth kind of girl. Um, especially now, like, she did an updated version of her song, Ironic, mm-hmm. for, like, the modern times on Jimmy, on Jimmy Fallon or something like that, and it was really cool. I just think she's great, and she kind of sums up all, like, my female singers that are not metal singers for me. Mm-hmm. Because I also do like, um, I don't go out of my way to listen to Lady Gaga, but I won't go out of my way to turn her off. Um, the Jewel's first record, where she was more of a folk singer, but before she went all poppy and actually fixed her teeth, was really good. Um, you know, even some of Madonna's stuff I'll listen to. Um, just if it's there, I'll listen to it. I just like female singers. I think they're great. So, Alas More Said is the kind of culmination of that for me. So for me, um, you know, I think about this. I mean, brought the topic on Thursday, like you said, and I, th- I thought about, you know, my musical education came from when I was a kid. You know, my dad used to take me to school every day in the morning. And we'd always listen to the oldie station, right? So a lot of my initial kind of understanding of music was a lot of stuff from like the 50s, 60s, 70s kind of stuff. And so for me, I, you know, I kind of took it as kind of a, maybe like a top three influential non-metal artists. And for me, the first one's going to be Ray Charles. Like, I don't think you can really appreciate a lot of modern music unless you kind of go back to that soul era of the 50s. And he kind of epitomizes all of that, you know. I mean, the raw emotion that he would kind of like show pretty much any of his songs, I mean, that's something that even metalheads like us can appreciate, right? And he was a rock star too. I mean, there's no getting around that. So, um I mean, for me, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I love all this harsh, extreme stuff, but, uh, you know, when George on my mind comes on, that's still, that's something that gets to me every single time, so. Nice. Good one. Awesome. I'm going to throw out an obvious one. Queen. You know, I was thinking about doing, like, a, like a Queen, but I was just like, there's no way I'm... Yeah, I'm no. do that and not let Dan do that. There's I would have no I I just left the cross. Yeah, you would have jumped over. <laughs> I got a beer bottle, right? <laughs> I will chuck that I would have caught that to the face. Yeah, there was yeah. no way I was going to do that to you. Yeah, obviously, Queen being my number two band of all time, they had to be... I'm not even going to sit there and try to say, like, well, they're kind of metal because... No, they're not metal. They do whatever the fuck they wanted to do, and it's all across various genres, but they just... They were musicians through and through, and they were... They would have continued on and been still phenomenal probably to this day. Yeah, you know they probably would have. We, we we probably would have been having a discussion like maybe Queen should slow down a little bit yeah. at, this, at this time. <laughs> but I I think as far as rock and roll goes, they are they can't be topped. As far as just you know general musicianship, as far as showmanship, they they were the best. And they were pioneers at their time, too, for recording purposes. I mean, oh, yeah. This is in the Bohemian Rhapsody alone. It's everywhere. If you if you watch um, 
there was I don't know who, I think it was VH1 who did um, the classic album series. Yes. If you watch the making of uh, Night at the Opera, they talk about how they made all the noises on there. Like one of them was like them talking through like tubes to make this kind of like distant sound. Uh, another one was like they rhythmically tapped on a table with thimbles on their fingers to make all these little things. Like there was nothing artificial about it. They made everything they could in the studio. I mean, I love things to hear things like that because like. One of my favorite things back when I was doing recording uh, in school was talking about how the Beatles used to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only had like a four track. You know, obviously when, when Queen came around, there was a little bit more availability as far as tracks were for recording were. So they, they would they would record on their four tracks, then mix down to one. And then they would record three more tracks and then mix that down. And then you would have the way they pan things. Like you would have like the entire rhythm section on the right hand side and the vocals and guitar on one side. And this, the mix and match of things were really good. And I bring up the way Queen recorded specifically because in that recording class I had, <clears throat> uh, my teacher got his hands on Pro Tools tracks of um, Killer Queen. You know, the end of Killer Queen, it goes back and forth between two earpieces. You think that's just the same guitar line or same guitar, one guitar going back and forth with the pan left and right. Two guitar parts separately played. Like, there's one part that plays in the left, one part that plays in the right. It's so cool what they did. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, Brian May being Brian May, he made his guitars. He didn't buy them. He made his guitars. So all of his sounds, all of his stuff is very unique to him himself. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to Queen and you listen to a Brian May guitar solo, there's only one person who can play it. And that's him. Yeah, I like how Brian May's guitar sound is pretty is pretty unique to him. Yeah, like it's just it's great, and and it it carries over live very yeah. well. Yes, so, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my when I did this, I kind of wanted to, I I had I didn't think I was have so many picks, but then I was looking through my CD collection, like, oh man, I I do listen to a lot of stuff that's not metal, and I like all of it. Uh, so I was trying to figure out what I was gonna pick. So I decided to kind of go, I did the female vocal thing, and I'm doing kind of like a genre pick now. Um, and Nirvana, for me, was huge. Um, <clears throat> early on in my in my musical education, as you called it, um, I listened to whatever was on the radio, and we covered this in our first podcast. What I was on the radio was, there's uh, Billy Joel's River of Dreams was huge, and then I think... Rod Stewart did an unplugged album. So those two songs were played every half hour on the half hour. You can set your clock to it. Um, and of course, all the other pop stuff. And then I got Metallica's Black Album, which kind of led me in there. But Nirvana was that first one that I considered of like my generation. Because <clears throat> obviously Nevermind came out in 91. I'm like nine years old. Mm. I'm hearing this for the first time. And it it's like life-changing stuff. I know you... Dan's not the biggest fan of Nirvana, but I mean, I I was in like the middle of that that age group where they were the perfect band, and I love them. I mean, even to this day, when I listen to albums like Unplugged or Nevermind, I still get kind of the same feeling I get when I was like 11 years old. Um, And every once in a while, I completely forget about them, and I go back, and when the montage of From Heck came out, the new movie, I watched it, it just reminded me of why I loved that guy and that band so much. They were just, they were just life altering for me. 
And there was nothing special about them musically, really. I mean, they weren't that talented of a group until, you know, Dave Grohl came from behind the drum kit. But there was just something that was visceral and raw about that band. As polished as Nevermind is, it's still a raw fucking record. And like I said, they were life-changing for me. And they kind of, between them and Metallica, that kind of shaped my musical taste for the rest of my life. So, I, I, I think... Because as you said, like they weren't special musically. It was just a matter of them being in the right place at the right time with the right sound. Yeah, right. And that was and that was it. Because yeah. like, again, like there are there, I still get mad that Alice in Chains is not as well known as they should be. Truth. Because I feel like they were better on all fronts than Nirvana, but Nirvana was the face of a revo- of a musical revolution. So, so it, yeah, so it's they understandable. Will, they will always be very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So I think for these next couple, I'm kind of playing it a little bit safe, um, but we were kind of brought him up Very a few times. Pussy. I know. <laughs> what can I say? Little, I was like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, coming out like you said, like coming out not talking about metal. Man, I'd love to think about this. Um, but the Beatles. I mean, you, you know, how, how you can you what? not? You like, know what? I'll mention them when I get to my third one. So I mean, we've already brought them up several times, but and I think there's a reason for that. And there's no denying their influence on all genres, right, in, including our own. Mm-hmm. Um, love them or hate them. I mean, they, their influence is undeniable. Um, in fact, I remember listening to uh, like songs like Revolution and Hate Jude, and you know, McCartney, he can scream too. You know, and I remember that was my first kind of, oh wow, you can actually scream in a song and it doesn't sound can. bad. He's seventy. You know, he's still yeah. Can. And so, he's so reserved. He's like holding <laughs> it in, getting ready. Yeah. And so there's that idea of like, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of like metal in a way, you know. And so. Um, yeah, I have to put them down just just because I mean, I was listening to them and I thought that that was the, all that music was. You know, when I got into like middle school and stuff, and everyone was listening to pop music, I was like, oh, I didn't know people would listen to all this other kind of stuff. It was always Beatles for me early on. Yeah, I think with the Beatles though is that like I feel like I prefer the songs that no one likes. Like I think that I, I like Ringo songs and George Harrison songs above Lennon and McCartney songs. Oh, I think my hmm. favorite song wow. is um, "She's So Heavy." I love that song, but but I'm talking song. like 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 songs like everyone gives like Ringo shit, but I'm like I like Octopus Garden. That was good. That was a good one. <laughs> I like Yellow Submarine. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the Beatles are just we talked about the way they recorded things. I mean that was just revolutionary at the time right. that they were recording, mm. and I just like the fact that their output was ten years and they changed so much in ten years from the boy band that they were even like to to Abbey Road you can I condense mean, that wow. you can condense that and say like they did it all in maybe like three years because you had the first few which were you know they are kind of like the, the popular band when they started doing the experimental stuff which I don't know where that necessarily started um, I think Rubber Soul maybe Rubber Soul. yeah Rubber Soul. Right, uh, Rubber Soul which was like what 64, 65 mm. right up until maybe like 67, 68 right around White Album or so right like that's three, four years like that's a really short period of time for them to just do as much as they did to the music world. Yeah, they so. were they were a force to be reckoned with. Kind of like Nirvana was. Yeah. And Again, it's a matter of being in the right place at the right time. But I will give Beatles significantly more credit than I will give to Nirvana because their their songwriting ability was far greater. Yeah, I, and, and even even like you know, I don't think like John Lennon was a particularly great singer. I think the rest of the band were a little bit better than him, mm-hmm. but still, like you know, the little things that that can detract from them, they had something to kind of compensate for. Oh, John Lennon was still a, a good frontman, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and 
and the good thing about it is that they all sang. They all played their music. Yeah, their they all they all they all, contri- they all contributed, and they all did really good material. Yeah. I, and I think George Harrison's my my favorite Beatle. Even like even his solo stuff is great. Yeah. So that's a good one. Really good. My next one is more personal on on certain levels. Peter Gabriel. I adore Peter Gabriel. Yeah, you do. I adore his solo stuff. I still need to get closer listen to his time in Genesis. I had the box set. Um, I had that for you, didn't I? For Christmas a couple years ago? Maybe. I think it is. It's possible. More than likely. Um, I ended up using his orchestral version of In Your Eyes as my wedding song. That for when glorious. When Lindsay and I did our first dance. Um, I got into him pretty late after his, his Up album, which he hasn't had too much music since then. But I think just musically, he's fucking awesome he's he doesn't have like this super skilled voice but his voice is powerful it is soothing he just writes some beautiful music even if it's like you know poppy as Salisbury Hill or like kind of mournful like um growing up um just he just writes great material and the fact that he can just kind of branch out and do whatever he wants he has a big hand in a lot of world music I'm pretty sure his label, Real World, he just releases a lot of just stuff from other countries, just world music. He just has a hand in it all. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's also an activist. He's just generally a great man. Yeah. And I love his I love his material. Everything I've heard from him has been an absolute pleasure to listen to. Um, even even when he did cover versions, like um, he did a cover album of Scratch My Back. His album was Scratch My Back. Um, even his cover versions of a lot of songs were interesting to hear. Like he did uh, "Street Spirit" by Radiohead, which his version I wasn't crazy about, but it did kind of give the song. The song already had a pretty eerie feel. He gave it an even more eerie feel. Um, so he just he, I feel like he can do anything he wants to, and it'll still be awesome. He doesn't release as much material as I'd like him to, but I'm okay with him doing that because you know, like right now he is the top of my bucket list. Actually, no way, I've seen him already. You've seen him already. He's uh, going with the orchestra, douchebag. But I want to see him again, <laughs> not doing other people's songs. Okay. So he did, yeah, half the set was his own stuff, but I want to see him, his own show. I want to see that, I want to see a show like the one that you showed me the DVD of. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, I want to see that. That's, that was awesome. Because I, like the, the show that I saw, that tour, he's released it on DVD. It's cool to see and everything, but I want to see him doing his own stuff, the theatrics of it. Yeah. Because the Growing Up Tour, which is the DVD I had, that was cool. He had a lot of cool shit going with that. I think and my favorite one was because of that inflatable ball starts bouncing around. I, I love the fact that during, um, I think I think it was, I think it was during Growing Up, he has the Blind Boys of Alabama just rise up from the center of the stage and sing, and it's, it's freaking, he's fantastic. Yeah, and and. He, again, another person that can do no. I could definitely it. attest to the fact that you probably got me into Peter Gabriel. Like I always knew In Your Eyes and Salisbury Hill and a couple mm-hmm. of the Sledgehammer, yeah. but so so is an absolutely brilliant album. Um, Red Rain, uh, Don't Give Up, Sledgehammer. Like even Sledgehammer, like I, I can do without Sledgehammer. Everything else in that album, um, uh, Excellent Birds, great track. Yeah. Just, and of course, in your eyes, no matter what version of it I hear, I love that song. Yeah, so that's a phenomenal so, song. So Peter Gabriel. All right, so for my last one, um, I was looking for something more in the classic rock vein because um, 
That's where we started. That's this really is where we started. Our our father listened to Led Zeppelin a lot when I was a kid. Um, my first CD that I ever listened to, besides the ones that I had, was he had a two disc uh, like greatest hits record from Led Zeppelin, and I played that endlessly. I thought it was three discs. The third disc was an interview disc. Oh, it was just two two discs of music. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking Led Zeppelin, but then I always considered them like the early versions of heavy metal, so I left them out. Then I was thinking The Police, because I love The Police. I absolutely adore The Police. I was also thinking of The Doors, because I love The Doors, Jimi Hendrix. But I went with a band that I go to every time, and that is Pink fucking Floyd. I absolutely love everything that this band has ever done. Uh, from, uh, of course, The Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, the... Um, Wish You Were Here albums. Their really early psychedelic stuff is really fucking good. Metal is great. Um, Adam Hart Mother. Um, it's all really good music. And I just love the experimentation of it. I love the sound of it. I love David Gilmore's voice. I love David Gilmore's guitar tone. I love the synthesizers. I love all the ambient stuff that's in the background, especially when you listen to Dark Side of the Moon with your headphones on. Um, just everything about that band screams talent. Um, and when I was when I was in working at Coles for a while there, I listened to that to Wish You Were Here once a day, every day. And then when I got Dark Side of the Moon, once a day, every day, never fails. And even when I'm when I'm feeling like over overwhelmed by metal, I need something to kind of calm me down, come and bring me back down to earth. I go. I go grab my Pink Floyd records every single time. And they're just the best band like that in that genre, like in that classic rock genre. Because if you think about it, they didn't really have a title like when they were they were around. Because they're not a rock and roll band. They're too mellow to be a rock and roll band. They have rock and roll songs, but they're not a rock and roll band. I think they're considered prog rock at this point. I would, at this point, I would consider them prog rock too. I mean, they were probably the earliest versions of prog rock considering... Wow some of the tracks but then you have to compare them to other prog rock groups at the time because they don't sound like Yes they or Kansas and they'll sound like Genesis like Peter Gabriel yeah. so I mean I think they were just they are their own animal there's no other bands that sound like Pink Floyd mm-hmm. they are the ultimate in classic rock prog rock whatever you want If it's all there for you and again I can go back and listen to every single one of their albums straight through and not skip a track ever so and they were also my the, my introduction to concepts, obviously with the wall. Um, I didn't know that you can write a story in a music. I thought the story happened in the song, mm-hmm. in the one song. I didn't like a whole album about the same thing. No. And then when they do the same motive or motif, I guess you can call it, or like the same kind of riff in multiple different songs and played like, and just really incorporated everything into continuing tracks. It just blew my mind, and it still does mm. to this day. So, Pink fucking Floyd. It's a really good one, man. Uh, so, in the same vein of uh, thinking about my last pick, for a while I was thinking about doing Black Sabbath and starting like kind of a shitty debate about are they metal, or are they like you know? I mean, when we think of metal. I mean, they're kind of the like the Godfathers, right? Yeah. So I didn't want to go that route. I mean, instead I went with uh, Rolling Stones. Mm. I mean, 
You know, you talk about another band, right? Yeah. Influence on Undeniable, a career that seems eternal at this point. <laughs> yeah, really, they are um, immortal. <laughs> I mean, Keith Richards alone will probably be making music after I die. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, again, same thing. I remember listening to that stuff with my dad. I mean, Paint It Black is going to be one of my favorite songs always. You know, I can listen to that song all the time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th this is a band that just personifies like the rock star kind of mythos like i mean all of our music now like the the way that performers act on stage is in large part because of mick jagger you know what i mean like there's no denying that influence i like the fact that rolling stones like the last album they did i'm pretty sure was uh, bigger bang and that was a great album so even that late into their career they can still turn out a good album while also just touring till the end of fucking days. Yeah, mm. they're one of those other bands that will die on the road. Yeah, I think right now aren't they doing their fiftieth anniversary tour now? Or something I think like so. That? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yes. them and the Who. Yeah, which is another one I could have mentioned when I was doing the classic rock thing because I love the Who too. Yeah, I I, I can definitely uh, agree with the Stones. Um, I'm not as into them as I should be, but what I know of them, I fucking love. Yeah, yeah, so. agreed, one hundred percent. My last one is a little out of left field, and I've mentioned them to you before. Um, it's going to be band and solo material. What? Say it. It's Wall of Voodoo. Yes, I oh, told you. Wow. What did I tell you? Yeah, he called it. He called it on Thursday. Wall of Voodoo and, and singer Stan Ridgeway. I told you. <laughs> um... <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let me just explain this one. So in in the in the early days of uh, file sharing and whatnot, before it all went downhill and got shit on, um, I was able to secure a full on copy of Wall of Voodoo's album Call of the West, which is a great piece of the '80s. It's not super poppy new wave flock of seagulls stuff. But it's it's got a little bit of weirdness to it, but it's still got that pop sensibility that is accessible. Um, fun to listen to, kind of got that spaghetti western twang to it. Um, the singer, in particular Stan Ridgeway, I love because he's got this weird voice. This, it's kind of like the, the, the male vocalist from uh, the B-52s, mm. but not as hammed up. Um, but for the material that, that Wall of Voodoo did, it was just... It was in the time, but just out of place they they sounded good they were they were they were fit for the time because they were just so kind of that popish sound in a, in a bit but like they just had no place in, in being in the mainstream which they had some mainstream success with Mexican radio for a little while um but then after um I think after another two years or so Stan Ridgeway left the band and Wolavudu continued on I'm not as crazy about the after stuff as I am with his material but his solo material went on and he kind of continued in the same in a similar vein but with a little bit more uh, a little more more of the pop sensibilities when he hit the 90s he kind of started gearing more toward the singer-songwriter stuff so it became less of the pop stuff and more toward a man and his guitar which I can describe it as like the songwriting sensibilities of, of Bob Dylan writing these really random stories that have no pertinence to much of anything, but musically he can still throw down some like weird little pop sounds or um, write just a straightforward 
ballad. So it's like it's like a very it's, it's like if 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 Bob Dylan decided to go a little bit more weird when he went electric hmm. and just go out a little bit stranger. Um, but there's always this element of of fun to anything that Stan Ridgway does because. He, like if you see him live, he's kind of got like a whole tongue in cheek persona, you know. He's he's kind of always having fun, talking very calmly, but always making jokes and everything. Um, again, this, all the songs tend to have like a little story to them. They're they're just kind of like out of the blue, um, no real. Like you just wonder where this came from, you know. Like it could it could be so it could be so specific, but you're like, where did this? How'd you what? How'd you get this story going? Um. And it's like he hasn't changed. Like again, his, his sound has changed a little bit, but his voice is still exactly the same. He's still got the same style, same feel. Just it's a general great package. It's, it's a great. It's an eccentric singer songwriter. It's it's not you know, it's not something you're going to hear about uh, on on news websites. But he's just like you know, he's one of those hidden gems. Yeah. And I will always sit here and say that this man is fantastic. I will push anything he does just because of the fact that I think he's great. Um. Awesome. Simple as that. I got nothing on that guy. <laughs> it's again, you got you just got to sit down and, and kind of just take it in. Cause like I gave you a copy of Call of the West. Yeah, I think I think I, I listened to that. Yeah, and it, the, his, the whole, his, his voice is very very unique to him. The, that's the, for sure. I'm pretty sure that the whole the whole point of the album, because again, it's it's kind of a loose concept. It's basically someone getting disillusioned by their life and deciding to head out west to live this glorified western life that you see in the movies and him getting this person getting out there and realizing this is nothing like that well shit <laughs> yeah then that's what the that's what the last track is it's pretty much the person showing up and someone saying well i don't know what you were thinking but that's nothing like this <laughs> like this 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 is not a glorified you know right off into the sunset thing this is people fighting for land and and um you know storefronts going down this all this you know it's basically like the death of a dream, essentially, yeah. and it's a great album. The Requiem for a Dream. No, there's no, there's no amputations. <laughs> there's no there's, sorry. There's no future jokers in there. <laughs> no, this, this conversation could have taken so many different turns when I was looking through my CD collection because Bob Dylan's definitely in there. Um, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. um, I was also thinking Radiohead for like an alternative pick. I love mm. some jam bands like um, Fish, Dave Matthews Band, mm. and uh, Grateful Dead. And, you know, there's just random stuff out there that's really good. I mean, blues stuff here and there. I got a Miles Davis record, which I really love. Um, you know, it just, just being a metalhead, I, I think a lot of people or a lot of metalheads just take themselves way too fucking seriously and decide yeah. not to listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that it kind of makes them close-minded. Yeah. And this is why you have those internet trolls that we talked about when we did our social media thing. Um I think it's just it's just worthwhile to be a little bit more open-minded and accepting of other people's music and other forms of music because it gives it makes you more of a well-rounded person. And if you do not like it, at least you can defend yourself. Not just say it sucks because it sucks. Yeah. It, just say it, I l- listened to it. I didn't like it. You know, because it, it's not like our music came out of nowhere. You know there's what I mean? Too, it, sure. it, there's this we share this common ancestry with other genres of music i mean rock has its roots in blues chord i mean we'd be nowhere had that not mm-hmm. happened you know um so yeah i agree like you, you've got to have at least at least an appreciation of other genres of music if you're going to really enjoy it yeah. um 
quick thing before we wrap this up. I was at work the other day, and a guy was talking about um, music. He largely listens to rap and everything. And uh, I just happened to hear him say, like, oh, I can listen to anything except for country. And of course, me being me, I chime in, like, what about death metal? <laughs> he goes, it's like, yeah, I can listen to some of that. I mean, it all sounds like, but I can listen to some of that. <laughs> And like again, you know, it's it's it seems to be the thing that like country music is the most hated music on the planet, but everything else is still fair game, even if it's you know if it's off putting. I mean, I've heard my fair share of country. We've had this conversation before. I, I like live country. I like to hear it live. Mm. But I'm training somebody right now, um, some kid who goes between rap and country. Mm. Like there's no middle. That ground. seems to be the thing around here. Yeah, actually. it's rap and country, mm. and it's rich white kids listening to rap and then country. It seems kind of silly, but um, no, that's the, a thing. That's the so country weird to me. stuff. I can't stand some of the stuff they're singing about. I heard ten songs, maybe, and every last one would mention drinking beer. I'm like, dude, there's other things to do. <laughs> God damn it! That's why I think about uh, the Pablo Francisco joke. Every single song is about pancakes and sausage. <laughs> <laughs> like they just they. It's like listening to Randy Newman write a song because they take like the thing that they're looking at the time and singing about it. <laughs> a nice pair of blue jeans <laughs> that Budweiser over there <laughs> my pack of cigarettes is on the table <laughs> it's so fucking I, bad it's but, the whiskey talking but I could I could definitely I would definitely buy a Randy Newman album of metal songs like yeah I that mean, would I, probably be fun why is there not a metal tribute to Randy Newman yeah. <laughs> get on that people let's go internets let's do this yeah that's right start a, start a crowdfunding uh, website for it <laughs> And until next time, which by the next podcast, this better be done. On that note, we must make our curtain call. So until next time, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Templum for more Shred Shack-related content, including interviews, editorials, concert reviews, and the like, including our most recent top three, which is apparently banned in Canada and the United States because of content, and our most recent I Saw, the show, I Saw a Show of the Housecore Horror Festival, which took me about a week to, to do because I'm busy. And you had to find the memory card. I had to find the memory card in the couch. It was Dang in the couch. Cats. Actually, I think it was me. <laughs> Dang cat lover. But also on my YouTube channel, you can find my Let's Play video game series, Recreational Warfare, boasting over 200 episodes across 30 games from various eras of gaming. For more up-to-the-minute updates from, from yours truly, me, love me, love, follow my uh, Twitter account at Novus Redemptor. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, UpTheIron3314 for adventures in fitness, nerd stuff, and, of course, this show and anything related to the, to the Shred Shack in general. Uh, for fitness and nutrition co coaching online or if you're in the San Antonio area and you need a personal trainer, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash UpTheIron3314. My man Peter here is one of my clients, so he can attest to the fact that I am actually kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're interested in just becoming my friend on Facebook, just look me up. My name is Chris McDonald. Become my friend. You find all of my nerd stuff there. Star Wars, less than a month away, everybody. I, I like that you're not counting the days anymore. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Once we get to December when I can actually keep track of days, yes. maybe we'll do that. Okay. But I got my tickets. <clears throat> and, of course, oh. Lord of the Rings stuff. I posted something that was really funny today that Stephen Colbert rant, went on a rant today. Or last night on um, apparently some... People found a spider in Brazil, and they named it after Smeagol, which is, of course, what uh, Gollum's former name. Mm -hmm. And he freaked out because why would you name a spider Gollum, uh, uh, Smeagol, and not Shelob, and yada yada. He went on this epic rant, and it was glorious. Sorry. 
nerd. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so I don't have a social media presence, but uh, I just want to say I'll, I'll work on that. By the way, but um, just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun on this on the show. I'm glad you came in. Finally, we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Had to kind of you know fit it all in. I think yeah. I think we've been planning this for like at least a month now. We have been. We've been yeah. talking about it, and I, I think our initial um, timeline I think it was going to be either last week or the week before. But then we were doing the podcast after we went to the show, so it was like. Two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That doesn't work for anybody. Yeah, I think I think we were we were gonna have you on like the first the first Friday of the month, and then and then we went to the the show at the Carova, and then last week was King Diamond. Yeah, so, so here it, we are it, now. Yeah, it just didn't work out, and now month now November is pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are your top three for the month? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I just got done editing that. I don't want to think about top threes until tomorrow. Yeah, because that's gotta be like two weeks from now. Yeah, we gotta record it's coming, that. It's, it's coming up. Ugh. If you're so here, fucking busy we are. If you're hearing this, I will assume you found your way to our Mixcloud page. Otherwise, my RSS feed works. Huzzah! Lies. Mixcloud.com slash The Shred Shack is currently your primary source for all previous installments of The Shred Shack podcast, as well as recordings of The Shred Shack live radio show, which we are now posting up there weekly. Um, because Pat has been posting them up after the show every single week. Speaking of the live show, tune in to Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of heavy metal and banter. You can find the link to the weekly show as well as any and all Shred Shack-related updates on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. Until next time, I'm Dan Mack. I'm Chris Mack. I'm Peter. Reminding you that the world is full of kings and queens. Black and black.